the world is changing. And every counterterrorism professional I speak to in the federal government and overseas feels like we are at the doorstep of another 9-11, maybe not something that catastrophic in terms of the visual or the, um, uh, the numbers, but that we can see it building and we don't quite know how to, how to stop it. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Sunday, June 12, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. I was not planning on doing a show today and saw the news about the Patriot Front arrest and whole situation going on and kind of put it aside and was considering whether I was going to talk about it. And I got in this real deep conversation today. And just felt that I had to come on and talk about this as soon as possible because of a few things that I saw early on, which you're not going to be surprised by, but how this is such an obvious transparent effort. Now, that does not have to mean that the people that were arrested there are involved in something. They may believe that they're doing what they think is the right thing or what they believe in and what should be happening. But historically, what we'll find is that there's usually somebody at the leadership positions of these movements that are driving them into the ground or driving them in the direction they want them to go. FBI, CIA, this is not something we should sneer at. Very clearly something historically accurate. Now, whether that's happening here, that's for you to decide, for all of us to decide. But the evidence seems to point in a very obvious position or, uh, direction that, that, at the very least, should not be, should give you the, op- or should it should be acceptable in discourse to be able to ask questions about this and say, could this be what this looks like? Now, we're going to talk about the connection between the Azov movement and what we've been discussing and this kind of overarching drive, what we've been calling the vanilla ISIS PSYOP. Now, what's funny is they've even stopped using that. That was something that I feel, feel tripped up real early where it was this clumsy effort to connect the whole thing. And we came out and made fun of it. And then they came out and said, stop using this term. But nonetheless, it is still being used in a lot of these conversations about this overlap between the, you know, the um, you know, American overlap with the, you know, the conservatives, with the bad guys, foreign, foreign adversaries and how they're going to fight against our freedom. And it's really abstract and clumsy. But before we get into all of the information today about what I see in this recent situation and how I can show you that that group specifically has direct ties to the Azov movement and then the Azov movement has direct ties to the CIA and your government and what that really shows you. And how the January 6th part of this is also very clumsy and there's a lot of obvious information that's being willfully ignored. I want to make a couple of interesting points, or or rather just kind of set the tone for what we're going to talk about today. Now, no matter what I say right now, this is going to be taken out of context. This is going to be misrepresented. It's sort of the example of sort of how I'm constantly explicitly pointing out that I'm never advocating for violence. That that's not what I'm asking for. It's not what I want. That's not what I want you to do. There's no indication, and I'm overly, overtly saying that's not what I want. Nonetheless, they'll still argue that what I'm doing is violent or causing violence or calling for violence. But of course, it's an interesting dynamic to talk about of whether or not if my intention is not to do so and somebody else takes it that way, does it matter to them? In this situation, it doesn't, right? If you suddenly just say, well, the term the sun, that you know, 
the it's a beautiful sunny day is a wink wink nudge nudge white supremacy signifier that's what they say when they really mean this but what about the people that just want to walk out and say well it's a nice sunny day oh, oh, oh you said the thing you're that guy well could they be sure that's certainly possible or it could just be that they're just saying it's a sunny day or sort of saying like a classic you know okay symbol suddenly becomes what you want it to mean does then anybody anywhere ever using that a secret white supremacist well that's kind of this flimsy subjective nature of this entire thing. Now, are there white supremacists? Of course there are. It's an obvious reality anywhere in the world. The problem is that they're trying to connect these in this patch, this this really clumsy effort to connect these things that aren't really there in the sense of what they're trying to paint. But that's what's happening today. Now I'll get back to my point is that no matter what I say here to begin, people will take this out of context. But I want it to be clear that I'm in no way defending the right or the conservatives, or Donald Trump. I'm in no way supporting the left, or that there's some kind of rising white supremacy threat that we're all afraid of. Again, does white supremacy exist? Obviously. But in neither side am I doing that. This is about being objective and trying to look at the facts in front of us. And as you know well, people that watch the show, two-party illusion and all that, this is not something that should be taken in a partisan way at all. But you'll see in different parts of the conversation that I'll feel that there's different that, you know, you could make an argument that one side, if you want to look at it that way, would be closer to the truth. But that's never the reality when you break it down because it fluctuates back and forth. And if you're stuck in the two-party paradigm system, you'll never really cross that barrier. You'll end up stopping short of being seeing the full truth when it comes against what you believe is your side and your narrative and what your side believes in. Now, again, not every single person, but the point is that's clear. Neither side am I supporting here. Now, three important takeaways from this entire conversation today. Now, I've made this clear many times. I've made this many, all these points very clear many times. But overarching points for maybe those that haven't seen any of this. And again, there'll be a, some of the things many of you might have seen before, but this is all kind of meant to patch this all together. Now, three important takeaways. The Patriot Front, which is one of the main parts of this discussion today, and all the other players in this PSYOP, by the way, whatever you want to point at in regard to the Rise Above movement, the you know all the different groups we can point out. Autumn Waffen Division and all these different conversations we're going to have are directly tied to the Azov movement. That's number one. Now, that may not mean anything to some people that only know about the Azov movement in the context of Ukraine fighting for freedom, right? Aren't they trying to beat the bad guy, Russian Nazis? Right? Well, okay. First of all, just recognize no matter what you think that the Patriot Front is directly connected to the Azov movement. Number two, that the Azov movement literally right up until February 25th, 2022, was implicated even by the U.S. government and the media as being the leader of an international network of white supremacy, or rather just the impetus for it and growing that around the world. And then number three, that the Azov movement that we just referenced in both those first two points, and by the way, all the other neo-Nazi groups in the regard to the Ukraine situation, have direct, obvious, outline ties to the CIA and the U.S. government. Now, those three points... Walking away from all this, if that's all you take from that, then that's a good thing. Because there's no way to think about all of this without recognizing that there's fingerprints of your government and the intelligence community on the very entity that they're now arresting and saying, wise, rising white supremacy movement to bring back all the different narratives they have around this, the, the, the replacement theory and all these different conversations. Now, do some of these people believe that? I'm sure that's the case. But the idea is if there's a connection between that group and what they're saying is a rising white supremacy problem in the United States to the Azov movement that they're currently going, no, no, that's not what you think it is. They're fighting for freedom and funding them. 
And then that funding can find its way back to the same group over here that they're saying is a rising white supremacy problem. You can see a disconnect in logic or what I would call a cover-up or a clumsy psyop that we're exposing in real time. Whatever it is, you need to connect those three points and see that there's much more going on than what they want you to see or what they're telling you is happening. Now, that being said, let's begin today with one small point that I want to make as the only point. I shouldn't say small point. It's a very important point. One point that's the only point today that's going to be outside the conversation we're having. And it's really just an opening point that I made yesterday or an opening point that to connecting to a point I made yesterday in regard to the Damascus International Airport, which is just really disconcerting to see the kind of stuff that can happen that gets zero attention. While you can have allegations with no evidence that get supported by the corporate media for three days straight. Richard Medhurst following this up. And again, I'd love to speak to Richard. I'd love to connect with him. I think he does great work. If anyone had done this to a European airport, they would call it terrorism. For those in the podcast, you're looking at absolute destruction of the international Damascus airport. Because Israel did it to Damascus's international airport, they suddenly have nothing to say. End of story. That's it. Like there's no, I mean, so does the, does the airport, you know, that's used by the civilians in the area suddenly not matter because they're part of terrorism? Or is it only, is it bad guy Syria Assad, so therefore we don't care about the rights of the Syrian civilians we claim we're doing this to support? As always, inconsistent logic, if you care at all to look past partisanship and realize that they are hypocrites on the left, on the right, in your government. Now, going forward, to begin, I want to start off with a BBC uh, article from today discussing the kind of the beginning of this conversation or why I started to do this segment from today. U.S. white supremacist arrested at Idaho gay pride event, according to the police, which is the picture you're going to see that I showed you. Reclaim America and all the, you know, weirdly all in their white. Like you know, first, the first note that somebody made about this group when I first saw them come on the scene was that they looked oddly reminiscent of Antifa with slight color alterations, right? Khakis instead and, you know, white things over their face. But it's interesting because it's not exactly what you typically see with the representation of the the right or the conservatives or whatever this fake breakdown is between these groups. So it's interestingly suspect right out of the gate when I saw this first come out. That doesn't mean you know for sure. But then, you know, reclaim America and all these arguments, what we're going to get into and show you the way that they're framing this group specifically is they don't even remotely seem to connect with what I hear in my conversations and discussions and research with the general conservatives and Republicans, extreme or otherwise, within the party paradigm. I don't know what any of them that are trying to do what these people say they all want to do on this side. And then, of course, the, the, the media represents what this group is as the entire right, as Trump supporters, as MAGA, as everything they want it to be, no matter what, with nothing to connect that to them just because of that. This is the equivalent of pointing at the most radicalized extremist leftist that's doing crazy, crazy things, which you find this on any side of the paradigm, and say that represents literally every single person on the left. It's stupid. There's plenty of Republicans that would make that exact same argument, which is my point. The point is that's always ridiculous. Police in the U.S. state of Idaho have arrested 31 members of a white supremacist group and charged them with plotting to riot at a gay pride event. So be clear, nothing happened technically other than being there and the suspicion that they were planning to do something. This is always very interesting to me. Where does the law actually reside in this, especially today? Now, we've gotten way off the rails when it comes to pre-crime, medical pre-crime, and whether or not those are even valid and does anybody anybody even care anymore? 
You know, it's about getting ahead of the problem, right? A lot of Americans have lost sight of the law when it comes to these kind of points in pursuit of safety and security. But if they didn't break the law, what's happening here? Now, I'm not trying to defend these people, just to be clear, because I, I have, we'll get into it. And you'll see my suspicions of what I think. I mean, for me, in my mind, these might as well be CIA representatives. But my point is that if they didn't actually break the law, how can you arrest somebody for simply being present? Now, of course, they say that the person called a good Samaritan. Now, does that person exist? I guess hopefully we'll find out, probably won't. And said, I see them getting into a van with, with body armor and stuff, and it looks like an army. You'll see it in this discussion, and of course, that's where this came from. And so they stopped them and arrested them on charges of conspiracy to riot. Again, don't you love how often the word conspiracy is coming up in the legitimate context in corporate media? I thought that was fake news stuff, right? It's just always the absurdity. Everything means nothing. Nothing means everything. Conspiracy is only conspiracy when we say conspiracy, right? But going forward, it says police say that they were tipped off by a local resident in the city of, you know, dang it, I forgot I was going to look this up so I don't mispronounce it as I, people love to point out that I do. Contour de Aline, I'm not sure, in the city of what you can see here, C-O-E-U-R-D apostrophe A-L-E-N-E. Let's just look it up since we're doing this right now. I, I planned I had planned to look this up. Anyway, in the town in Idaho, they had spotted the men with masks and shields getting into a lorry, this is BBC, so into their car. Now, what's interesting to me, interesting to me is that masks and shields, right? So first of all, aren't masks supposed to be worn right now? <laughs> like what an interesting contrast. No, they have masks on. Well, so does literally everybody everywhere. But now here, oh, the bad masks. Okay. What if they were wearing them to keep safe from bad guy COVID, right? What about that? Doesn't matter though, right? But shields, are shields against the law? Like this just seems like, a, this almost seems like in, in a side point, an, a, an effort to set up the reality that they can arrest you because they think you're going to do something wrong, which we already see happening all over the place. Oh, here, that's right. I wanted to, I'm talking and doing things at the same time and I can't think. Okay, so here, let's check this out just to be accurate, you know, because that's important. Let's see if we can grab it real quick. Cor Delane. There you go. There we go. Perfect. Cor Delane. That's easy to say. Cor Delane. Going forward. They spotted them getting into their car with masks and shields. Right? So the, the vehicle was then soon stopped, which is really interesting to me. Think about the timing there. So you're telling me that this person calls and says, I see people getting into a car with masks, first of all, which the, if a normal police officer is like, okay, that's literally everywhere, and shield. And it's like, okay, well, that's not really a crime. And so this is one person's subjective opinion about what they're looking at. And you're telling me that within the time frame between when they got in that car and before they actually arrived at the destination, they had already pulled them over. Really? I mean, that just seems like a ridiculous little amount of timing, unless it just happened to be perfectly aligned and or there's more going on here. And the men, members of the Patriot Front, were then arrested. That's what you're seeing here. Now, he says he added that riot gear and smoke grenades were found in the in the car. Okay, but recognize, oh, it says they, they came to riot downtown. But what's interesting, I, it's funny, I already forgot how to pronounce that name. They added that the riot gear and smoke grenades were in the car. But the point is that they didn't know that was there before they pulled them over. So what were they pulling them over on? What actual crime? What, what, what uh, uh, plausible 
uh, or what's the term? Um, ah, geez, I'm blanking on terms today. Shoot, give me something in the chat about that. The what's the uh, they need to son of a gun that's frustrating that's i feel embarrassed for not remembering that they need the, the logical reasoning for pulling them over they need to prove that they had some kind of uh, uh some reason to i can't believe i can't think of that the point being is that they, they can't just pull them over because somebody said i saw them getting into a car with something they're allowed to have or because we think this i mean certainly i guess they could pull them over if they probable cause thank you good god i can't believe i forgot that trying to pull them over because they thought there was a problem and so on. But the point is then if they pulled them over and they just said, we're going to a, a rally, like I just, I'm a little bit of a loss for why they feel this is a justified pullover or whatever. Then it says they arrested men at the Northwestern U.S. state have so far made no public comments. So that's all that happened, like in the context of this event. But we're gonna, what we're going to get into by what this whole conversation is, what this group is, what they're connected with, and what might have been attempting to be happening here. Because remember, it's also possible that police locally, which happens all the time, by the way, stepped in, did something and ruined a federal plan, right? Whether we're talking about an FBI thing or a CIA, which we've found out many times now, they obviously operate on the U.S. soil, even though they're not supposed to. And then local police just do what they think is right and pull this over and stop something. Maybe these people were on the way to doing something bigger and they got stopped. Thank you, everyone, for probable cause, probable cause. Thank you. I appreciate that. I can't believe I forgot that term. But so no comments. That's it. The police revealed that they were all alerted to the local resident or by a local resident who called them to say that it looked like an army was loading up into a lorry. Patriot Front was formed. And just again, to make this, is it illegal to wear army, to wear but I mean, everything they have on them, they're allowed to have, especially with most of these people being veterans, I would argue. In the case of most of these, I, I shouldn't say that in this context, but I can argue that most of these groups tend to be that, let's just say on a general sense, usually have a lot of veterans in them, to be accurate. But it says Patriot Front was formed in 2017 after the deadly Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. Right, right out of the gate, we're already recognizing that this is a group, and I'm going to show you, verifiably, is part of the groups that were at the Unite, Unite the Right rally which, again, was the rally that they used as the beginning of this whole conversation. They're marching with their tiki torches, and they're talking about the white race and all this different stuff, and that's where this whole thing really budded. And they, oh, my God, the rising white supremacy problem. It's all Trump supporters, and Trump said they were good people. And guess what? Again, the right, the rise above movement, which is the primary unit there, are directly, they are called the U.S. arm of the Azov movement, according to the Azov movement, according to Alenia, the member, the leader of the national militia. The National Militia, I think that's correct, the National Guard, National Militia of the Azov movement, the political arm. And at that rally was where this all began. So right there, you can see this connection back to the group that they were building over in Ukraine and directly funding and ideologically driving what what is happening in the United States. Now, at that time, they were screaming about that. This is happening. The Azov movement, they're a problem, blah, blah, blah. And this is during the regime-changed puppet government of the United States. So how does that change? How does that change in so many years to become, well, no, they were never really that bad, and you misunderstand it, and Putin's abusing that now, that information, even though you still argue that they have a rising problem over here. And you can walk their words back to pointing at the same group they're now ignoring and funding, which is illegal against their own documentation or their own, le- their own laws. Right now, remember, they're funding them even just the, the government of Ukraine and that money and those money and the arms go directly to the Azov movement. Right now, that's a crime, according to U.S. legislation. Why don't we care about that? 
The group's manifesto, the Patriot Front, calls for the formation of a white ethno state in the United States, according to the Southern Poverty Law Center, which tracks hate groups. Now, again, my argument, my question would be, are, is this what they're they're trying? They are, are, do people believe that the entire conservative movement or even just MAGA Trump supporters are calling for a white ethno state? Is that even openly being stated? No, it's not. So you can't wink, wink, nudge, nudge, argue that the entire group are all white supremacists because this happened, which just tied back to Trump and he said they were good people. That's not journalism. That's not even logic. That's correlation, a very flimsy correlation. And you may argue that that's all you need. Except when we give you facts to counter it, you call us conspiracy theorists. Anti-racism organization ADL says Patriot Front, who is directly connected to Azov movement, which is directly tied back to the CIA, belongs to the alt-right segment of white supremacists, which I'm not even sure what that means, the alt-right segment of white supremacists, but claims to be patriotic. What? That doesn't even make somebody, so they can't be patriotic if they're white supremacists? Right? Are they are they mutually exclusive? <laughs> it's that what they're trying to do there is associate patriotism more so specifically constitutionalism or the idea of what the right believing in the country and believing in all of this to be a white supremacist ideology. That's what they're trying to do. It it has called for American fascism, describing it as a return to the traditions and virtues of our forefathers. For, again, that's ridiculous. Anybody that's standing there arguing that the traditions of our forefathers were fascism are morons. And that's the whole idea. They're, who's calling for American fascism on the right? I mean, th this is the absurd part of it. They're arguing that that's what they want. Wink, wink. No one's saying that. Meanwhile, if you want to get into the paradigm part of it, when really it's your government driving both buses, the left of the two-party paradigm are the ones rolling out fascism on a red carpet with the help of the right behind the scenes, of course. My point is that this is meaningless. The group's manifesto claims that non-whites are not Americans, right? This is like a, a cartoonish version of what they want you to think is one side of the paradigm. This is a psyop. Now, that does not mean there are not people that believe this, but it is by no means what they want you to think it is. Now, that's the part. This is the beginning of the conversation for what's happening today. Now, before we get into the actual meat of what this group is and how they're obviously tied back to the Azov movement and the CIA and everything else that's happening there, I want to make sure we set in stone those three points we made out, we discussed when we started. And I may, and we're going to have a real focus on the January 6th part of this because it's really important to understand what went down right there and the obvious caveats and, and holes in their story before we finish off with that last part. Now, first of all, <clears throat> as you guys have seen many times, well, maybe not for the new people, but in the, the, the usual viewers of this channel, this is an obvious thing to point out, that the Azov movement, and, and we're, I guess the main point here is, first of all, the Azov movement has been funded by the CIA, by the U.S. government for a long time. But as this article reads, not just Azov, this is the, one of our shows, documents prove the CIA has been cultivating fascism in Ukraine since at least 1948. This document, in fact. And you can read this for yourself. This was posted on 1966, December 8th, but you can read into this. And to be very accurate, 1948, it was actually the OSS still, which is the, the CIA before it became the Central Intelligence Agency. And then 53 forward, it was called the CIA. So this is even before the official CIA, but it's the same point. 1948 forward. And we went through this in depth in a past show, which is this one here. And I highly recommend you watch this. It's a really important one. You know, March 30th, 2022. The point being that in this document, it's called Project Aerodynamic. I talked about this with... Uh, with Doug Valentine as well. I actually should grab that one, include that great interview we had. The point being, is this is an obvious operation where they picked up, they, the person's name was Mykola Labed, and you can read all about it in this document. And they, he was a, an open 
this guy was a Nazi war criminal, <clears throat> not a neo-Nazi, a Nazi war criminal. He was arrested for a murdering the, the minister of interior of Poland and was put to, was sentenced to death. And he only got away when the Nazis invaded Poland. The, at that point, the U.S. government stepped in and rescued him. It's all right here. This is a CIA documentation. You can see it's at CIA.gov. My point is they rescued him and they used him to revigorate a group that was no longer really pre prominent. It was actually dissipating away, which was called the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists. They used him. They funded it. They gave him a job both in, the U in Ukraine, but also in New York for the Prologue Company. It was a publishing company where they produced propaganda that propagandized Americans and Ukrainians. And they grew and grew and grew. That same group, you can tie back right to what's happening today, to the Azov movement, to everything else. The Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists, that is the group that the, the uh, what's his name, Ozov, Ozov, I believe, the, the guy that is one of the leading positions in the uh, Azov movement, who they kind of pushed aside in 2019, but now he's back, ties right back to that group. That's what he's from. All from the CIA to right now to the U.S. government to the funding from Biden's administration, you can see an obvious line from them growing this. And in this documentation, the why they do this with their logic to hurt the Soviet Union, to use them against the Soviet Union, which of course now we're dealing with Russia. Same same objective. <clears throat> so on that note, if you want to read this, please do watch this show and we go through it. It's also important to recognize that there's plenty of documentation for those that might think that doesn't make sense of the CIA specifically, but the U.S. government generally openly collaborating with Nazis at a time when there wasn't an Internet. So this is the point is it's not something they really want. It was open, but now it's much more secretive. But the CIA's worst kept secrets, newly classified, newly declassified files confirm the United States collaboration with Nazis. That's before this, but then into and post World War II, they were still doing this. Operation Paperclip, Dr. Ishii, all these different things we've talked about. Here's another one from Salon. 35 countries where the U.S. has supported fascists, drug lords, and terrorists, right? Let's not pretend like this is not an obvious thing that the U.S. government has done while screaming freedom and pretending to be the good guy. That's not just them. That's not unique to U.S. government, but right now that's what we're focusing on. So that point should be clear. This has been something build, building by their own admission in Ukraine. The next point is, of course, what Whitney covered very well, which is from 2014 forward for the most part, is simply the idea that they then started to build, and this is where this really kicked off, so post-2014 regime change. After the U.S. government overthrew the government there and put in place the people that they wanted, that's when this began the true rise of the Azov movement, which was just the next iteration of their ongoing operation from Project Aerodynamic. And this is really important to understand because this is the continuity between their effort to utilize the radicals that they build all around the world. That's really important to understand. And here's the clip I've played many times before that shows you very clearly that they outlined this. They knew that they did what they did in 2014, that they shot people, blamed it on the other side, and then put the people who they wanted in place. And the people you're going to see in this clip on the still picture, but you can hear them discussing this, are the very people that we're talking about. Tony Book and these very open Nazi extremists. On February 20th of 2013, the world was shocked by video footage of snipers firing on protesters in Kiev, Ukraine. 21 people were murdered, and it was widely assumed that President Viktor Yanukovych and his supporters were behind the attacks. However, a phone conversation between EU foreign policy chief Kathy Ashton and Estonia's foreign minister Urmas Payet, which was leaked to the public on March 5th, reveals that the snipers were actually from the new coalition government, and that Western diplomats knew this and covered it up. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. So that he has some sort of, how to say, trust among all these Maidan people and and civil society. And second, what was quite disturbing, the same Olga told that, well, all the evidence shows uh, that people who were killed by snipers from both sides, among policemen and, and people from the streets, that they were the same snipers killing people from both sides. Well, that, yeah. So that, and then she also showed me some photos. Uh, she said that has medical doctor. She can, you know, say that it is the same, same handwriting, the same type of bullets. And it's really disturbing that now the new, uh, new coalition that they don't want to investigate what exactly happened. So that there is now stronger and stronger understanding that behind snipers, they were, it was not Yanukovych, but it was somebody from the new coalition. For some reason, the U.S. media didn't think that that little detail was worth covering. But wait, I thought the opposition protesters were just peaceful activists who wanted a chance to join the European Union. Well, yeah, that's the official narrative that the U.S. media outlets are peddling. But the real story is far more ominous. It turns out that the most powerful and influential contingent in the opposition is a coalition of literal fascists and neo-Nazis. And they aren't peaceful. In fact, they're extremely brutal. This is a picture of Victoria Nuland from the U.S. State Department meeting with Ole Tanibok in February. And this is a picture of Senator John McCain sharing a stage with Tanibok in December. But why would the U.S. government work with neo-Nazis? Because they thought that they could control the situation. They thought that they could install their puppets behind the scenes and manipulate the situation in their favor. That same Victoria Nuland who met with Svoboda in February was caught on another leaked call discussing who they would put in power. What do you think? Uh, I think we're in play. Um... The, the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here, um, especially the announcement of him as Deputy Prime Minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now, so we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yachts. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. Good. So uh, I don't think Cleach should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you think what, in terms of him not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Book and his guys. And, you know, I'm sure that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this. It's very obvious that that's not democracy, right? When you're discussing who you're going to put in power, there's not an election taking place. I mean, it just, we can't be children about this. I mean, that stuff is very obvious. That stuff has been acknowledged as being legitimate. It just doesn't matter. Right. It's obvious what's going on. So the point is from 2014 forward is where they began to to increase dramatically the growing of the Azov movement and what that became after they took control. And we've seen a lot around that. If you want more deep discussions around that, make sure you read the rest of these discussions or other shows we've done specifically on the Azov movement, because we get into the deep reality and you know how that actually went down and how they've continued to do so and grow and fund. And there's been more than just the Azov movement. As they mentioned, Svoboda. There's the right sector. There's the Georgia Legion. There's a lot of these different groups that are big and openly neo-Nazi, openly fascist and extremist. 
But you can read this, and I'm going to reference this article in a minute, come back to in, in, the, in regarding, regarding the Russian imperial movement and how that plays a role in what they're trying to manipulate. But just to as a one-stop thing, which I tend to include, I put this out to understand, as I say, verifiable facts, that the U.S. Congress made sure that Azov Battalion would get U.S. arms in 2016. Despite their discussion about how they tried to stop that, the nation covered this back then and said under pressure of the Pentagon, the Congress stripped the funding bill, the funding bill of the amendment that stopped those funds. Now, why would that ever happen? That's a group that they were they were openly saying was dangerous and they quietly pulled that away. Then again, in 2018, they put something back in that said they weren't allowed to do so and yet still did anyway. So it's just so funny how these pull it out, put it in. Who cares? They're going to do what they want. And they're doing that right now. This is there's no way around that. 2018, it's still to this day, I've shown you the documentation myself. It lists their name exactly, the Azov Battalion. And it says we can't, it's illegal. And it doesn't say direct anyway it ends up in their arms, the funding of the government, and people have acknowledged this. It's impossible to not have funds and arms go into their hands if you're funding Ukraine. That's an illegal act. They simply don't care. There's no rationalization there. There's they just don't care. Their argument would ultimately be, well, for freedom, because we can't just let Russia invade. What do you mean you can't just? So you're going to break your argument is we have to break our own laws because we can't let them do something that they're like. That's not a logical argument. You don't need to violate your laws to stop. There's plenty of other actions that could have been taken. That's just a sidestep. But the point is that they made sure that would happen. Why would they do that? On top of that, the CIA has been training them since 2015, as plenty of documentation makes clear. This is actually from a CIA entity or uh, individual who's openly writing about this in foreign policy, saying that the uh, they and referencing another report in Yahoo News, but going on to discuss this in in depth. A January report described a covert CIA training program for Ukrainian special operations forces. We're talking about the Azov movement and other intelligence personnel that was launched in 2015 by Obama. They've been on the ground training them ever since. The FBI also verified that the Azov Battalion is openly and outwardly neo-Nazi and is immersed with the Ukraine government. You guys all know this by now. And that those in Charlottesville specifically were their U.S. faction, which again, all that together ties back to an obvious pointing, you know, huge waving red flag or rather a big red arrow to the CIA. So you can't point to Charlottesville as some rising problem and not acknowledge that they're tied to the group that you're funding. But you see, they didn't want you to see that part. When you acknowledge that they're funding the group, their narrative falls apart. And that's where we are right now. Now, the last part was the January 6th part. Now, this is important. So this is a whole segment in and of itself right now before we finish off with the popular or the, the, <laughs> the Patriot Front. January 6th, the failed false flag meant to blame Russia and you using the CIA grown Azov battalion. Now, movement is what I want to get people to say today. Because the battalion is what they were before they became the sprawling entity they are today with multiple government positions and con controlling police force and, and uh, election regulation and everything they're doing, which I've proven to you. Then they themselves call themselves the Azov movement. The media plays this ignorance game and pretends like the moment they stopped being battalion or rather grew into the movement, they just became nothing that was bad anymore. Even though they were saying the opposite right up until 2022, January. How embarrassing. The point in all of this is to show you that this was the first, in my opinion, attempt to get this thing moving, to hoping, and I, as I believe, my opinion, that they were trying to get people on the right to take the bait, specifically the QAnon MAGA side of this, because they had already been trying to radicalize them. They've already been trying to frame them as this rising problem. Now, I'm not going to be I'm, I'm the first person to tell you that people specifically in QAnon are, are wildly subjective. 
like the the actual embodiment of what they want to frame as some sort of conspiracy theorist. But by the way, no worse than the corporate media is on a daily basis. They're all subjective and they're all confirmation bias and they all lean partisan in directions they want, ignore information they don't want to see. It's the same point, but they're trying to use them and radicalize them to get them to take this action. And good for them, they didn't take the bait. And, and I mean, and good for them in the sense of the entire grouping that was there, the conservative, because it wasn't just QAnon or whatever else you want to point out. There was a lot of just general conservatives, general Republicans that were there that believed that they were stolen from, which by the way, they were, which doesn't mean that it was that because every single election is like that. It's not just Trump's election. They cheat and steal from both sides every single time, as far back as you want to look. That's not hyperbole. I've literally gone back and shown you this in different shows where the left elections down the road were saying the same things. But now today it's a conspiracy theory. It just is all an illusion, in my opinion. But jumping forward, I want to go into this and show you why I think this is very obvious. We're seeing the January 6th discussion spin out of control right now with their committees and their hearings and everything that's happening. I want to make sure we make a couple of points very clear. Now, I, again, I've done it. This is a show you should watch if you want to go more in depth specifically on January 6th or as well as other shows. Come down here to the bottom and click the January 6th tag. See, and you can go and it'll give you all the January 6th shows. But a couple important points that I've referenced before that I didn't have the links for when I was saying it before. This is Brian McDonald, of course, Russian state affiliated media, media so you should ignore the facts he's showing you. Right. That's the way they do that. But the, the, these are independent facts you can check out in any other platform or any other page or wherever else they come from. The point is, this person, who is indeed a person that was on the ground on January 6th with all these people, there's the famous guy with the big hat, the big horned hat. This guy is a Ukrainian blogger. And this is, this is I've, done, I've verified this for myself. I've gone through this in depth. Here he is wearing Ukrainian flags and Azov battalion pins and everything else he's doing, wearing this, this, Jewish overlap discussion shirt. There's a lot of different opinions on what this is supposed to mean, but this is supposed to be sort of like a Jewish part of the Azov Battalion kind of a thing. Anyway, the bottom line is, it's obvious that he was there and that he is a Ukrainian. And the biggest part of it was, as I've proven to you in these in this show specifically, he was there yelling, and this is documented. Let's go, let's go in, whatever he was saying in Russian. Now you could make a point that yeah, Ukrainians and Russians, there's an overlap there. It's certainly a possibility that he just knows both. But why would he be screaming in Russian if he's an obvious connection to the Azov movement on the ground on January 6th? Isn't it a little strange? That's all I'm saying. Could it be random coincidence? Of course, that's always possible. But all this together, it begins to paint a picture of something a little bit more nefarious going on, of how driving them in to get this to happen. Now, why would the Azov movement entity be on the ground trying to get them to go in to blame them if they're the ones connected back? Because that's the point. You create a situation where you get them to take the bait, you blame them, and then, of course, the idea, in my opinion, was to blame all of this on the Russian bad guy, which I'll show you in a minute. That's already what's happening. The Russian imperial movement is the real connection between the white supremacists and the United States. That's what they're saying. It's verifiably not true. Not to say that they're not white supremacists or that there's not a problem there, but that that's not what's actually happening right now. That's important, guys. Now, on top of that, generally speaking, most people that were at this situation in January 6th were not what they were made out to be. Walking with their selfie sticks and in, literally staying within the velvet ropes. Not everywhere, not all of them, but a lot of them. I mean, you can see the police walking around. You can see them talking to people. It just, this is, so the idea to pretend that this was some kind of planned and coordinated insurrection with everybody there in the red hats, that this is a, a conservative protest or conservative rally, or I guess a protest specifically, 
that was taken advantage of. Now, were there people there that had intentions to do something like overthrow, the, take them out of the Capitol or overthrow or, or put Trump back in power? Sure. I, I can't. I don't know that for sure. I don't see any actual proof that that was planned. But does that then mean that literally anybody that just happened to show up in a red hat was also part of it? I mean, you, how dumb that argument is. But this is this is the current status of our corporate media. And of course, all the people on the partisan sides that do the same thing and are wildly subjective about the, what they want you to see. Now, on top of that, as we just discussed, the FBI has already arrested a very important, by the way, gubernatorial candidate in regard to the Michigan race for, for Gretchen Whitmer, you know, a, a COVID-19 maniac on charges related to involvement of January 6th. Now, all this is is somebody who is present. Now, look, that's what that's from what I can see in front of me and what I've found in the research. Now, if they come out with some sprawling document that proves he did this or that or broke the law, well, we'll deal. We'll address that when it comes to pass. As far as what I can see, he was there. And that's why he's being attacked, because he's a very important Republican candidate against one of the people they argue are important to progressing what they're trying to do. They being the government, not the party paradigms. But that's hard for people to understand. I get it. But the point is how you can be arrested for just being present at a lawful protest. Now, again, this is my point in general, that just because somebody out there did something you point out doesn't mean the people standing way on the outskirts of the whole thing are part of a, a riot or an insurrection. You can't do that. It's the same. And I'll make this point again in a minute in regard to the a little bit of an inaccurate point that's being spread in regard to the 2018 discussion around Kavanaugh. But this is happening. Oh, I think this is my highlighting from before. Yeah, I just pulled this in. So now the point here going forward is that this is a, a this is a witch hunt. Not to say that there weren't crimes that were committed, but what they're doing is a witch hunt, an unjustified witch hunt to suss out anybody who they don't want. Really, anybody. It, it, two things, in my opinion. One, people like this that to, to get people out of the way in regard to maybe potential political races. On top of the fact that they want to create the groundwork for why this is not just some fringe action, but rather a coordinated government down even potentially coordinated with outside entities outside of the country effort to overthrow the government. That's what they want this and need this to be. So now to go forward to the part of January 6th, where there's obvious, obvious issues with the way that they're conducting this, as well as potential, and we've discussed this exact person, Epps, discussions to be had about whether or not this person is either protected by the federal government or part of the federal government. Now, I'm not saying I know for sure, Oh, excuse me, notorial, excuse me. Really, I always thought that was pronounced the other way. Notorial, Goober. Yeah, thank you for that. That's interesting. Huh, anyway, I'll have to remember that when I go back. Anyway, the point, I always thought that word was very odd anyway. It sounds like a, it sounds like a strange Goober. It's like a weird way to, it sounds like a, a, a fake word almost. But anyway, I appreciate the correction. Now going forward, the idea here is that this person we're going to go over here it, 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 and just because they're framing this as some for like first let's be clear first first of all uh um marjorie taylor green is not somebody who i support i frankly find them to be wildly subjective and very partisan and i, I have a hard time supporting anybody like that that doesn't mean just because she is that way or because she might be subjective or arguably misinformed in other ways doesn't mean this is incorrect right that's the, that's the game they play Oh, look, she's on the right. Therefore, dismiss this without consideration. 
Same thing. Oh, look, it's a Russian guy. So don't think about what he's saying. It's just stupid. It's willful ignorance. The point here is they claim that she reignites a January 6th conspiracy theory about FBI. But what's interesting is guess what? Even they say in the article, she doesn't even mention the FBI. So explain for me how her conversation about rather posing the question about why this guy isn't arrested is somehow reigniting something. It's because they're going wink, wink. That's what she really means. Because we know we can tell because we're psychic. We can read her mind. That's what she thinks. Now, even if they're right, you just don't, you can't do that. That's not journalism. But that's everything that's happening in the corporate media today. Now, the point in this is about Ray Epps and why this person, which you should, everybody should be asking, is not only not arrested, but has never even been brought into the conversation, other than the fact that he reached out of his own accord and told the FBI something. Now, let's first read this, and then we'll go in verification-wise and show you the actual documents, or rather documentation of this person at the rally that they pretend isn't there. Here's what this says, first of all. In a Rumble live stream Thursday, it coincided with a hearing from the House Committee investigation. Green showed a video of Epps, which I'll show you in a minute, shouting to the crowd gathering the night before the riot. That's what, they, what they're calling it, of course, that they need to go into the Capitol, which is 100% accurate. He did say that. Now, that alone should be enough. Not the, Let me be clear on this. Not that there's a legal, actual justification for arresting somebody in that case, in my opinion, but based on what they've already been doing to people that were simply present, an old woman with a, with a selfie stick in jail right now, that under that logic, that person should definitely be on their list if that's what they were doing. He wasn't, and he's not. It says, after screening the video, Green said that he, his shouted push for the crowd to enter the Capitol building sounds like a plan and coordinated. Now, that, that's her opinion, and I would agree to, to, to a certain part, it depend, in certain parts of this. The bottom line is, that has nothing to do with claiming that there's some kind of conspiracy. Even if you, I believe she, I, I definitely think that she has the same mindset as me. But she's being careful about the way she's discussing this, and she's just simply making a, ra a logical argument. Why is this guy not in jail like the rest of them? She says, I think somebody that worked that hard to get people to go into the Capitol, why aren't they rotting away in the D.C. jail, having their due process rights violated, just like these other people here? Referencing others currently detained for alleged roles in the riot. I think that's the question that we should ask. That's it. That was the end of the conversation or in the part that they're referencing here. Green, as they say themselves, did not even mention the FBI while speaking about Epps in the stream. But, and this is the point I was making in the beginning, proponents of the conspiracy theory have pushed the idea that he must have been working with the government because he has not been arrested. So let me ask you this. If she had no intention of even that, if that wasn't her intention, if she was just going, why isn't he arrested? Which anybody can argue is a valid point. And then other people <clears throat> misinterpret what she's saying and take it in a different direction. Is she? And then if, let's just say, say somebody takes her comment and then acts violently because of it, framing her as the impetus for it. Is that her fault? Is she responsible for the violence? Is she being violent by saying those things? Obviously not. Absolutely no, no matter how you want to spin that. No fire in a theater argument. You do not. This is ridiculous. This is them setting the tone about what they name as things that could wink, wink, mean what they want them to mean, sort of like the OK symbol or a red hat, and then simply jumping the gun and saying, well, that means, therefore, they are this, period. And that is just ignorance. In fact, that's, that's not even propaganda. That's an agenda. That is going after people in this witch hunt because they want to. Now, I argue there's political push behind that, political agendas, but either way, if they just believe they're doing it, it's, it's driven by political manipulation. So she didn't even mention it, the FBI. And yet the entire argument in this whole article is about how she's 
progressing this conspiracy theory about the FBI. Is it not possible he worked for the FBI? Of course that's possible with their record, especially. Is it not possible he's been protected by them because he hasn't been arrested for something many other people have for far less? It's just the most obvious question in the world. In addition to the video shown by Green in her live stream, the theory also centers on another video shortly before the Capitol violence broke out in which Epps is seen whispering to a man named Ryan Samsel, who moments later escalated the situation by confronting police. Now, the whole argument here is that, oh, well, we've sussed out that that's not what really happened, and he was whispering and saying, calm down, we do, they're just doing their jobs. So ask me, explain this, if that's what he actually said right there, which is what they claim, how do you explain the other videos we're about to show you, where he is pretty violently calling for people to go into the Capitol both the day before and the day after? But then when it comes right down to it, he goes, no, no, calm down, calm down. How does that even line up? They, I'll show you the videos in a minute, and you can think, ask that for yourself. But separate statements made by both Epps and Samsel to federal authorities say otherwise. Days after the riot, Epps called the FBI tip line. How interesting is that? And informed investigators that he had been trying to calm Samsel down. He whispered into his ear rather than encouraging him, according to the Times, citing unnamed people familiar with the call. <laughs> Great journalism, guys. The bottom line is this is Epps, who is totally not aligned with the FBI, calling the FBI of his own accord before this all comes to pass. <laughs> I mean, my God, I, I'm not again, I'm not suggesting that proves that he is, but that's a very interesting tidbit. And how often the FBI is will make even clearer in regard to multiple people in this connection between the Azov movement and what's happening with the with the uh, Patriot Front and everything, where multiple entities have history of being confronted and arrested and discussing with these things with the FBI. So are we literally just watching this massive you know, are, are all these people FBI operatives or, or informants or so on? I mean, it's certainly something we should ask. The fact that we're afraid to ask questions like that today is the problem. I, by no way am I suggesting that's an absolute or that I know that for sure. To not ask questions is simple ignorance. And that's what they're driving people to do. Okay, but to the point is that she has every right to make this claim, regardless of what you think of her or what her politics are, blah, blah, blah. So here is <clears throat> one of the first videos. It's posted by Il Donaldo Trumpo. It says, why would they leave FBI, uh, I don't know what, oh, POS, Ray Epps out in their propaganda video. Now, here, here, I'll play some of these videos for you where it shows him in the crowd. This is undeniably the same person. I'll make that clear. Openly going, let's, we, tomorrow we have to go into the Capitol. <coughs> Excuse me. Clear my throat. We have to go into the Capitol. Right. That's what he keeps screaming. And I think this is the one or maybe the next one where the crowd starts chanting fed, 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 which just needs to show you that the people around the people that they're trying to frame as the, they weren't buying it. They already knew the day before that this was an agenda, that they were trying to be fooled. We were talking about that before this all happened. Don't take the bait. I just don't know how you can put these things together with the narrative they're trying to spin right now. So listen to this. Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. What? No! Peacefully. Fed, 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 fed. Tomorrow, I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need, we need to go. I'll say it. All right. We need to go in. Shut the fuck up, Boomer. To the Capitol. Face fed posting? Right. <laughs> we need to go into the Capitol. I didn't see that coming. Okay. Monument Hill. We are going to the Capitol where our problems are. It's that direction. Please spread the word. 
All right, no, okay, but one more thing. Yeah, so should we go up there? No? When we go in, Are we going to get arrested if we go up there? Yeah. You don't need to get should shot. Should arrest us all? So that's the guy they're claiming he was like, no, 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 calm down, calm down. Despite the fact that the, the moments after he said this, that was the guy who began pushing on the gate. That's where that all started. The, the main focal point of their violence, you know, they're saying, look, that's where they pushed past. And that's where that woman fell and hit her head and the whole thing. Now, sure, they could. That, that could be what happened, of course. Maybe he was saying calm down. Maybe he wasn't ready to do it. The bottom line is that's a suspicious interaction with everything else we've seen. See, this is the problem with the way that this is why they're so desperate to stop people like us, because they don't like objectivity, because there's no calling that conspiracy theory. Simply asking the honest question. Look at this guy screaming, go in the Capitol. And then what did he whisper right there after this all began? And that's that's the most obvious, honest, genuine question you could ask. And any investigator, researcher or detective would do the same. But in the world of politics, it's called conspiracy theory. Of course, and then they single filed through the uh, the ropes as they walked in, right? Now, going back to this, here is, oh, and this was, uh, I think this was the same one. I had a couple of them open. Oh, it's just from a different angle. So here, let's watch this one too. Just different angle. Just for, just, you know, have all the different videos we can show. In fact, tomorrow, I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need... We need to go, I'll say it, we need to go in to the Capitol. Let's go! So I'm going to put it out there, I'm probably going to go to jail. Yeah, just similar similar compilations of, of the same videos. And just it just goes to show that this stuff is everywhere, right? So here's another example. This is something we should be da- we should be discussing. Thank you for Chicago Ray for pointing this out. We, we and we did an entire point about this, right? Remember the guy that was there, this guy who got caught and arrested as part of the whole thing, and it turned out he was an open and stated Antifa member, uh, even though he was there on the record screaming things that were like "Go to Capitol," you know, Trump and supporting and the whole thing. As I said, a known Antifa member who's paid $70,000 for his Capital Right video. He was on, even on video saying, we got him. We tricked them. Like, that they tricked people into the... That's what he was saying. We proved this to you. We played this on the show many times. Now, it says, the FBI says they have no proof of Antifa members dressed as Trump supporters. That's what they're saying, but it's on video, just like all the rest of this. It's just... It's very frustrating that this guy is clearly leading. Leading regardless of what you think about it, and then yet he's never been arrested. Oh, that's the same the same screenshot there. So again, this is the same guy, right? Out there chanting and cheering. Here is that guy right there. This is the guy. This is not, what, don't, uh, for people, I actually probably should have grabbed that video. I forgot to grab that. But the point is that this is him for sure. This has been, this is a, a provable point about this guy being the same guy. Here he is right next to him. 
Not that that necessarily proves anything between the two, but the point is that there is an agenda taking place here. Uh, or the real point is that these are obvious questions that somebody should be asking. If you have a Ukrainian there screaming things in Russian, if you've got an Antifa member trying to trick people into the building, if you've got a, a person who's screaming all these things and trying to get them to go in and is, has yet to be arrested, there's obviously something going on. On top of the fact that we have verifiably shown that, they, and they've admitted that they have F, there were FBI agents in multiple militia groups, leadership positions. They said this themselves. Of course, they frame it as trying to stop the white supremacy or whatever, but they were there on the ground. Now, here is another partisan outlet, but they're making good points in regard to meet Ray Epps. The Fed protected provocateur. So I'm glad they did that. They're not saying they know for sure, but they're being objective about it and saying he's just he's clearly protected because nothing's happening to him. Who appears to have led the very first, you know, push. Now, there's a bunch of stuff you can listen to in here. I'm going to play this video for you next. Or actually. Yeah, right there. I'll play that next. So the important thing here is to recognize that this has even been addressed in Congress. They've played the video for them, and they still pretend like it's not there. Well, here's what this says in the article, which are important to point out. There's a lot of interesting stuff about the background of Epps himself. But it says it's important to keep in mind that Ray Epps is a free man. This is posted on October 2021, but as far as I can tell, this is still the, the standing reality. He's never been arrested or charged. Nearly 10 months after January 6th, and that's actually now more than that, but the FBI and Justice Department still refuse to comment on whether Epps has ever even been served or served a search warrant. But we do know that at least rank-and-file FBI investigators were intensely interested in Ray Epps in the immediate aftermath of January 6th. That's the interesting part. Remember, we talked about this then. They put out this massive, this is the post right here. They're seeking this person. There's one of the guys right there. We're trying to find out who this guy is. There's a huge focus on that. And I think that's very, very revealing. And the point, their point is rank and file. So maybe not the people in the know, but the average people doing the, the paperwork and the due diligence. Are, there's a guy that seemed to be leading. Let's find out who he is. And he was one of the top 10 people they were trying to find. Now it goes on to say, there are currently 486 suspects in the FBI's capital violence most wanted list. The fact that Ray Epps was one of the first 20 suspects of the FBI ever publicly featured on its be on the lookout boards and most wanted lists reveals just how high a priority the FBI's rank and file investigators considered Epps to be. Now, the boiling down point of all this is that they then quietly removed it with no with nothing to back that up and, and nobody and they acted like it was no big deal. On January 8th, the FBI begged the public for information regarding his identity, uh, even offered a cash reward. Now, one point that I don't think I highlighted in here that I think is really interesting is they make it clear that the, the left of the two-party illusions jumped up and started to investigate because they were going to, yeah, we're going to prove this guy's a white supremacist and he's part of the Trump movement and accidentally basically stumbled into the reality that he was nothing like that. And they, weirdly, it all went quiet. So it continues to show you that people will investigate, and when they find things they don't like to see, they just don't look at it anymore. <laughs> Confirmation bias, or rather the opposite of that. But it says, uh, the public obliged, of course, and in less than three days, Ray Epps was identified as suspect 16. Researchers corroborated his identity with troves of unassailable direct evidence, which many of which you just saw, including an effective confession from Epps himself to his local newspaper. This is the part, this is in other conversations, and this is corporate media has addressed this, where he called the local newspaper, talked with them, and made it clear that he was indeed there. So that alone has been reason enough for people to be arrested on other in other contexts. The old grandmother people talked about, or plenty of other people that were just present. How about just that politician who was just in the stands? How about that? But this guy has openly said he was there on the record and has seen 
coordinating the drive into the Capitol and still has never been arrested. Then, for nearly six months after January 8th, amidst the biggest manhunt in American history, they claim, the FBI did nothing with the information. As the FBI did nothing on Epps, it was simultaneously investigating, arresting, raiding, and imprisoning hundreds of completely benign MAGA moms and social media trolls, mostly for minor misdemeanor trespassing charges. Then, on July 1st, between the hours of 3.37 and 5.55 p.m., about 3.37 a.m. and then the end of the day, the FBI finally took action on Ray Epps, not to prosecute him or to announce sweeping investigation of the FBI SWAT raid on Epps' house or for all his phones and electronics. Nope, instead, someone at the FBI quietly and stealthily purged every single trace of Ray Epps from the Capitol riot's most wanted database. Suddenly, he was no longer photograph number 16. Suddenly, he no longer was on the list. So did they find out? Did they investigate? There's no, there's no evidence whatsoever of any actual investigation into Epps except for the fact that it seems they stumbled into something they weren't supposed to look at. Now, there's a lot of information you can read through for yourself. But I think it's pretty interesting that even though it was addressed by Thomas Massey in a congressional setting, that they still pretend like that video is, is not, that really doesn't even exist. If you have somebody on video saying, tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol, and, and most of the people are going, no, that's clearly an indication that he was driving this multiple times on video. He was doing so, telling him, we're going this way, follow us. That is exponentially more than what most people are being arrested for right now. Here's Thomas Massey playing this in a congressional setting. There's a concern that there were agents of the government or assets of the government present on January 5th and January 6th uh, during the protests. And uh, I've got some pictures that I want to show you if the uh, staff could bring those to you. I'm afraid I can't see that at all. Is that a video? All right, you have, you have those images there, and they're captioned. Uh, they were from January 5th and January 6th. As far as we can determine, the individual who was saying he'll probably go to jail, he'll probably be arrested, but he wants every, but they need to go into the Capitol the next day, is then the next day directing people to the Capitol. And as far as we can find, this individual has not been charged with anything. You said this is one of the most sweeping investigations in the history. Uh, have you seen that video or those frames from that video? So as I um, uh, said at the outset, uh, one of the norms of the Justice Department is to not comment on impending investigations and particularly not to comment about uh, particular scenes or particular individuals. This okay, without... I They basically, so that seems to suggest, based upon what he was saying right there, that they were investigating this guy at the very least, and something stopped that. Right? He, oh, we can't comment because we're looking into him. But the point on top of that is, 
I mean, why is it made? So why are you, you're in this setting, but you can't comment on the entire discussion of January. I mean, that's what the whole point is about. It's just very frustrating. This is always a sidestep, sort of like in a police saying, well, we can't comment on these investigations until they've set the narrative the way they wanted it to be. I was hoping today to give you an opportunity to put to rest the concerns that people have that there were federal agents or assets of the federal government present on January 5th and January 6th. Can you tell us, without talking about particular incidents or particular videos, how many agents or assets of the federal government were present on January 6th, whether they agitated to go into the Capitol, and if any of them did? So I'm not going to violate this norm of, uh, of, of uh, the rule of law. I'm not going to comment on an investigation that's ongoing. Which, again, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that essentially admits that that's the case. If he's not, if he can't comment on it, well, then clearly that's either something they're looking into themselves or they can't comment on it because it's part of their. I mean, however you want to look at that, that's incredible. You can't just be like, no, that's not correct. Because if he said that, well, that would be, I mean, I don't know. That, that's a very revealing statement to make right there. The bottom line, though, is that that is a 100% fact. They've already admitted themselves in two different ways that there were FBI agents involved in the militias that were there. So, of course, there were obviously federal agents on the ground. But what he's essentially addressing was mixed in with the crowd as opposed to, I mean, which is against just the same thing, really. We're talking about agent provocateurs or a, a, a undercover agent, which is kind of the same exact thing if you really want to break it down. There we go. Hit the wrong button. So going forward. Here is a clip on uh, on Rumble of just a kind of a breakdown of all the different kind of the same thing you already saw the breakdown of the different clips of him going in and do everything he was doing and you can kind of just see it's it's one quick little montage and so that'll be included for you to check out. On top of that, guys, here's an interesting thing that people haven't talked about, or at least not in the context of the corporate scene, is that there's evidence on the record verifiable that police before this all started now here actually going back to i'm um, here let me do this where was that montage i think we're right here Tomorrow. so here this part right here or in general like before the before these all started where they started to push in past these barriers right you can see that there was multiple examples of police before they were doing anything, before they were even barely pushing in, police throwing grenades and flashbangs and different and smoke grenades in the crowd. Like, by the way, that's, that's, that's a, there's a law being broken there. At this point, these people are standing there in a protest, which is protected by law, so they pretend, right? And yet they're lobbing in grenades? Watch for yourself. I mean, it's actually pretty incredible. And then the argument goes, as, these, as the guy on the ground is saying then... So he's oh, this is this is a video taken on January 6th from the ground. He's saying, there you go. They started firing grenades. We were just a peaceful protest and they pushed it in. Watch for yourself. All these things matter in this conversation, but all of these are being disregarded in the context of the corporate media and government investigation. Okay, so right there, you can see, they just scrolled over to that image. You can see that they weren't, the police line was still there. There was no effort to push forward. They're kind of spaced intermittently in here. You can see they're not all bunched up trying to push in. This is what started it, at least in this area we're looking at right here. 
Why would they be doing that if they didn't want to trigger some kind of action? Why would they, in regard to Pelosi specifically, why would they disregard calls for more people to come? When the, when the Capitol Police were calling them specifically saying, we need backup, and they said no, or they disregarded it more than once. It's on the record. Chucking grenades at us. I mean, that, that can hurt somebody really badly. the concussion grenades, if they'd never used a pepper spray, this wouldn't have happened. It was a peaceful protest. I was standing within 15 feet of the line of officers. They started firing at us before anybody did anything to them. We were not rushing them. There was no advance on them. They just started throwing concussion grenades and pepper spray. Pretty interesting, huh? Quite, quite a different reality. Now, just because he said it doesn't make it the absolute. Maybe there were other locations where things went differently. But that's a pretty stark example of the opposite of what you're hearing. And you have video documentation. You've got somebody on the ground. You can prove that he said what he said was right. They weren't. There was the police line. You saw it. And once the grenade started getting thrown before that, that's what drove people in this case to take action. It's a crime. What they're doing is dangerous. They're hurting people. There's family with kids out there. I can't, I mean, I can't even believe anybody could rationalize such an action. Now here, this is the media channel. I've got this around with behind the line media. Here's also a, a, a group that posted it on Twitter. Just give people a shout out for sharing the reality. Here is Taylor Hansen, a field reporter <clears throat> with a pretty good following. He's got like 75,000 followers, 72,000. He says the January 6th committee is rewriting history. He says he's reached out to testify countless times. He said he is a witness on the flight list and documented Ashley Babbitt's being shot and killed. That's a pretty important person. If he was right there, which he says, and he's got the documentation to back it up, that he was right there and he documented the whole thing. He says, yet somehow they're not interested in what infor- information he has for them. He says they're lying. This is what he's saying, but you should consider it, seeing as how he does have documentation. He is a pretty pro- prominent independent journalist. And if he says he's got information and video, which he does, about a very important situation where uh, Ashley Babbitt was shot, Obviously, if this was an honest investigation, he'd be right there. They absolutely get him in here. We got to see what's going on. Now, it may turn out that the the other side of the two-party illusion will bring him in to do so. But if they don't, that'll also be very telling. But the the interesting point is that there's probably more about what happened there that they just don't want to dive into. It says, beyond disgusting by the DOJ's report on what took place in the speaker's hallway, the government lied about every single detail, even though I am able to disprove all with video and eyewitness testimony. Makes sense that why they refuse to receive an official statement. Interesting. And here is his breakdown. You can read this for yourself. Capital offense, the ugly truth behind the five deaths from January 6th to Jan- and January 7th. Of course, these are talking about the police officers that you know, no one actually died other than Ashley Babbitt on that day in regard to the event on the ground at the event. Well, that being said, oh, actually, no, there was one more point in regard to this. So this is something that's circulating right now. And there is a valid point to be made here because there, there is a valid point in regard to what happened in 2018 in comparison to what happened in January 6th. But first of all, of course, because we care about facts, we have to make something clear. <clears throat> now, this is circulating partisan in partisan areas. Now, what it's showing you is a meme that says, remember when Democrat protesters stormed the U.S. Capitol in 2018, took over the U.S. Senate building and tried to get into U.S. Supreme Court during the Kavanaugh confirmations, Democrat legislators and the mainstream media cheered it on 
If it wasn't for double standards, liberals would have no standards at all, which, again, you know, you know, I take issue with the final sentence specifically because the very people posting this meme using an image that's not actually what they say it is, which means they're hypocrites and double standards within them in and of themselves have the same type of double standards everywhere you look. The, the, the right, the, the partisan narrative, the right versus the left are just as ridiculous in different ways. Right. When it comes to, you know, it's either all or nothing. Right. It's either that there's no such thing or it's everywhere. They're, that's how they do it. They're always somewhere in the middle, whether we're talking COVID-19 or anything else. So we just got to recognize it's a frustrating re- to, to make it out that it's liberals and their double standards is com- to be completely ignorant of your own situation. No sense of yourself in regard to the paradigm that you're in, because they it's everywhere on the two party paradigm. Within it, I should say. Now, my point is there is a valid point to be made here about what did happen in 2018. Before we do that, though, just to very quickly show you, here's the actual image, which I can date back to 2011, I think. 2011 is when this was took. Here is the 2011 page from PR Watch. And just very quickly, you can see the image right down here. There it is. Posted. So the point being 2011, this is the page. There's also a listing of these from 2013 and reused a bunch of different times, 2014. So, okay. So the image seems to be from a time that is long before this ever happened. So does it really matter that much when you're just making a meme? Of course, it matters when the mainstream does it. Oh, they're using the wrong image to try and trick us and same difference, right? I would argue it's not that big of a deal when you just want to use a meme that represents what you're saying and so on. It's the pot. The point is facts matter. So if you're trying to manipulate people, it's important to be accurate about what you're discussing. Now, what's important here is that this did happen. This is from 2018. Rise up, women. Angry crowds flood Capitol Hill to protest Brett Kavanaugh. And yes, they did push into the building and they blocked elevators from closing. And the only difference would be that there wasn't any acts of overt violence in regard to, you know, breaking windows and whatever else you want to try to argue was done that shouldn't have happened at the Capitol which was not an insurrection, barely even a riot in the real sense of the term. But nonetheless, what's interesting is to show that when this happened, had there even had, well, let's just say there was an altercation. Let's say people that pushed in had, you know, gotten to some kind of altercation with a political person or the police that were blocking the elevator. They still would have backed this up. They were cheering it on. They were saying they're standing up for their rights and their protests. The point is that it's subjective and it always is. This is a completely justifiable protest. Whereas even if exactly this in reverse would have been called an insurrection if that's all that happened. And we know that. It's been very clearly outlined in both ways from both sides and in reverse. But we need, what we need to do is make sure that we're not allowing the partisan sides to manipulate the whole thing, right? The people that are on the extreme right that will ignore anything that challenges one thing that they want to say. Or the point is that what we're showing you today, which seems to more so align with defending the right, if you want to see it that way, is just because that right now is the reality in regard to how they're trying to frame that group. And I'm talking about the government, not the left. It's just important to see past the two-party illusion. It's breaking people's minds. But it's interesting to see the double standard, isn't it? I mean, the, 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 how, about, how about the obvious double standard from Brett Kavanaugh in general? The trust women! Believe women no matter what. Oh, that's a stupid thing to say, isn't it? You mean women can't lie? I can't believe that was even allowed to be floated. If you said that didn't make sense, you were a bigot and an anti-women or whatever they were saying then. Pro-rape or whatever. It's just ridiculous, subjective, hyperbolic statements. And then all of a sudden, when when Biden gets accused, well, no, she's she's a liar. She's a she's not she, whatever. So you don't trust women then? You don't blindly believe them? These people don't believe in anything. They only believe in everything insofar as it achieves their goals, and then they drop it. We need to see that. Now, the last point to be made, or here's the one of the, 
shows I've done before and leading into this same discussion, but we're going to have more points to finish off here. Vanilla ISIS is here. The CIA constructed illusion meant to demonize Russia and justify war on you. So here we are with the Patriot Front. Remember the article we started with in regard to U.S. white supremacist arrests in Idaho gay pride event. So this is all over right now. And don't forget the discussion we just had about how they apparently were like, oh, they're getting into their car with stuff that's legal, but I think looks funny. And then apparently while they were driving there, got pulled over. <laughs> just like that. Like when's the last time you ever saw the police act that quickly for anything anywhere? I mean, come on, guys. That seems a little bit interesting to me. Just, but my opinion, maybe it just turned out that way. Certainly possible. And by the way, here's what's, this is funny, by the way. I didn't even notice this. Right here, right on this main page, it shows you affiliations, rise above movement. Patriot Front, rise above movement. So on the record, if the rise above movement is the international arm in the U.S. of the Azov Battalion movement, then that very clearly connects them to the movement that then connected the CIA. It's not very difficult to point out. But going forward, let's start off with the Patriot Front's Wikipedia page. Patriot Front is an American white nationalist and neo-fascist hate group, part of the broader alt-right movement, which, again, this is the kind of muddling of this that they're doing. When they say alt-right, they're talking about all of them, Trump and anybody, anywhere they call conservative. It's all the alt-right. It's a clumsy, undefined thing they're doing, and it's not good. That's just, that's not intelligent. That's not good journalism. But Apparently, anything, anywhere, hate group that's even they claim as fascist or Nazi or white supremacist is all part of the alt-right, which then is just broadly Trump and MAGA and Q and whatever else they make it out to be. I'm not, that's not being sub, uh, uh, in, uh, inaccurate, obtuse. That is what they're doing, and we all see it. The alt-right is whatever they want it to be at any time. Now, to be clear, the right does the same thing in reverse, but that's not what we're focusing on today. The group split off from the neo-Nazi organization Vanguard America during the aftermath of the Unite the Right rally. So right there, you can tie it again, right back to the Unite the Right rally and the groups that they were using to justify a rising white supremacy threat in the United States that was directly tied back to the Azov movement. Because remember, this is one of the ones we just showed you in regard to the, the facts, or was that here, where they're openly saying this in their documentation. This is this is documentation from the FBI that very clearly says the Oz of Battalion is a paramilitary unit. And uh, where was it? Right up here. The post contained the photograph of the Rise Above Movement members during their trip to Germany, Ukraine, and Italy, meeting with Olenia Semenkia, the leader of the International Department for the National Corps. Dang it, National Corps. That's what it was. I can't, you guys have caught, the last two shows I've done that. I keep saying National Militia, which is the military arm. The National Corps is the political group. I hate that I make mistakes like that. There's so much information flying around. The point is that they're openly telling you the Rise Above movement not only met with Alenia, but has, met, has gone to Ukraine, met with them, and they consider them their U.S. arm of the Azov Battalion. It's pretty damn clear. So when you can see that the Rise Above movement, or where are we at right here? Right here, that the Rise Above movement is directly connected to them. Well, that ties them to the Azov movement, that they're funding. So at the very surface level argument, before you even get into the CIA, why would it make sense to anybody that the U.S. government is currently funding and arming the group over there in Ukraine that they say is just fighting for freedom that then is directly connected to the group over here that you say is a dangerous white supremacy problem that you can then claim was tied back to them creating that? Does it make sense to arm that group over there? How can you be fighting that? How can they not be neo-Nazis if they're the group that trained these groups over here that you're claiming is a massive white supremacy threat? It's just the absolute breakdown of logic. If you think barely past their narrative, it doesn't connect. 
According you know, uh, was that the last part? Yeah. According to the Anti-Defamation League, I find this to be an interesting point, the group generated more than 82% of the racist, anti-Semitic, and other hateful propaganda tracked by the ADL in the entirety of 2021 in the United States. <laughs> really? 82%? That's a pretty big number. So 82% of the, the, the vast majority of all of the hate speech and hateful propaganda tracked by the ADL in the United States in our entirety of 2021 was tied back to a group that directly ties back to the Azov movement. But we're funding them right now. You're funding them right now. Patriot Front is led by Thomas Ryan uh, Russo. Now we're going to make this clear again as we go through this next document that this person is a central player that ties back to all of these groups and ties back to the very beginning of this. Russo has taken control, had taken control of the Vanguard America's web and Discord servers several weeks prior to the Unite the Right rally, which Russo had participated in as the leader of the Vanguard America's contingent. He used the group's domain name to form Patriot Front. So they're all interconnected as an ostensibly new group, but it's the same thing. And recruit rally participants, although most of Patriot Front's members were former Vanguard members. This is like calling Hyatt Tyrrell, uh, you know, we have, it's Al-Qaeda and ISIS is now just Hayatir al-Sham, and they're not bad guys anymore. Well, no, they're the exact same group, same people, same actions, same ideology. So why are they different? Because we call them a new name, stupid. Now they're moderate rebels, right? That's all that happens. This is an effort to trick the average person from keeping the narrative. Like, so if we're over here yelling about this and pointing at it, and then they see this video, and then a week later, they haven't caught the in-between stuff, but then they see us talking about the Patriot move front, as opposed to the Vanguard America they would think those are different things. Not knowing that they're the same thing because they just simply changed the name because they wanted to. That's how this is supposed to go. They're trying to trip up the average person from being able to follow all of this. And we've seen that this is a classic tactic. Now, this article is a very important one. We've talked about this already. This is from 2020. And you can find a lot of these. This one just seems to be pretty, a lot of meat to it. It's referenced right now because this Patriot Front is becoming a focal point by all these corporate outlets now trying to patch up their narratives. The Lost Boys of Ukraine, how the war abroad beckoned America white supremacist, right? This is the same entity and the same people that they're, that you jump forward a couple years, we're saying the exact opposite. And then going back and claiming this wasn't happening in 2020, but rather stopped in 2016. Even though you can then look at their previous work and they said it was happening in 2021. I mean, it takes a pretty stupid person to not recognize that they just decided to say something different. But here, this is an important article going through this, Azov in particular they say in 2020, has leveraged its social capital by integrating into the International National Guard, excuse me, Ukrainian National Guard, where it wields outsized influence in Ukraine's democratically elected government, which that's clearly not what they are. They were a puppet government put in place by the U.S. The point is they're acknowledging in 2020, way after they said this wasn't supposed to be the case anymore, that the Azov movement had completely integrated itself into the entire government process. Yeah, you should know that by now because we've been proving it to you for, a, for a, a half the year. But you listen to CNN and Fox News and they have an entirely different narrative. More than five years later, with the war locked in a stalemate, the seasoned fighters and street activists of the ultra-nationalist movement that's now freedom fighters that have never been dangerous present a challenge to newly elected President Zelensky. Which, remember, we saw the videos of them... Uh, uh, Jason Ritter argues they slapped him in the face. I don't know if he was being facetious about that, but the point is they basically said, you're not in, tro in control. We don't listen to you. And that's when Zelensky very childishly was like, I'm 34 years old. I'm the president. That's actually what he said. <laughs> they laughed at him. That's when he went to the front lines and tried to stop them from murdering people in Donbass. And they said, no, we don't listen to you. That's what happened. 
right? This is where we are now. He is a puppet. And even right now, it seems he's coming back to the reality that he's going to... He, the U.S. government seems to be very aware that they're losing in dramatically in what's happening there. Zelensky's now continuing to step up and say, we need more money and more stuff, clearly showing you that they can't exist this war, exist in this war without the U.S. funding and doing everything. I believe Zelensky's going to get thrown under the bus. I think they're going to try to stop the bleeding by blaming it on him or his lack of intelligence. It, 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 both ways you might take that. But it goes on to say, that the emergence of the of Azov Battalion and right sector in Ukraine in 2014, because remember, that's when the regime change took place. Now, the Azov discussion had been there, rather specifically just the fascist elements and the neo-Nazi elements and the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists and Mikhail Lebed from the CIA all the way forward to now was there. The Azov Battalion and the right sector became these volunteer battalions that became the impetus for the growing Azov movement in 2014 when they basically stepped in and started doing this. I think this is when they ramped up aggressively their agenda for the aim of triggering Russia to take action in Ukraine. But it says, the emergence of Azov Battalion right sector in Ukraine in 2014 electrified the neo-Nazi movement in the United States, right? The very people that you're funding right now to fight bad guy Russia are the ones they claim are the very reason we have a white supremacy problem in the United States, even though I don't believe we even have that problem. Do they exist? Of course they do. But this is an artificial thing. Presenting a tangible model for how the far right could topple a government and wage a nationalist war to forge a new society in a predominantly white country. All this, it's just this, just dumping this whole narrative on anybody they point at with a red hat. We're, that's where we are today. But it was built by the CIA and ties directly back to the movement that you claim is not what they are today. Over the past five years, the Ukrainian nationalist cause has attracted an assortment of American volunteer fighters. It just never ends how obvious this is. At the same time, remember, this is 2020 they're writing this. At the same time, extremists in the United States have looked to the volunteer battalions in Ukraine for inspiration and tactical advice in their desire to wage an insurrectionary war for white power at home. 2020, they're saying this. Right? How can they stop being a dramatic white supremacy influence to everywhere around the world in 2016 when in 2020 you're pointing at how they have an obvious, clear connection? to what you're pointing out in the United States for exactly that problem. They must absolutely hate this show. I know they do. Two former volunteers who spoke on condition of anonymity told Triad City Beat, excuse me, I should have said at the beginning, this is triadcitybeat.com, in its North Carolina local but pretty prominent uh, publication, it seems, they, that many of the foreign volunteers suffer from mental health disorders. Now, here's an interesting deviation. Right now, anybody going over to Ukraine to fight with the Azov movement is being called a freedom fighter. But back here, 2020, just brief moments ago, they were saying that anybody doing so was dangerous and mostly had problems in the mind. Isn't that interesting how quickly the narrative changes? It says, they're all young kids and they have no idea. Isn't that funny? So they have no idea. They're fighting with the bad guys. And now today it's like, no, 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 you conspiracy theorists, they're going over to defend freedom and democracy. <laughs> how embarrassing this must be for them. They have PTSD, they said, and they have mental issues. These guys are idiots, basically. Lost boys. A lot of people have lost their way. They're wanting to be accepted. That's how they're framing literally anybody that was going over to fight with the Azov movement in 2020. <laughs> how funny is that? That's pretty sad, to be honest. TCB's investigation particularly shows linkages between, this is the most important part, I think, in the entire thing. In 2020, the Triad City Beat found particularly uh, invest, their investigation particularly shows linkages between the Ukraine battal uh, battalion, specifically the Azov movement, and specifically two American organizations. Can you guess what those are? 
First, the Autumn Waffen division, which we've gone over and we'll go into briefly in a minute, and the Patriot front, or just, I guess, Patriot front. Look at that. So in their in-depth investigation, they found that the Ukraine, the, the Azov movement, out of the, all groups that we can point at, had specific relationships with the Ottomwaffen Division and Patriot Front. And here they are right now being arrested for about to carry out white supremacy acts on U.S. soil. So again, just from the surface level, how can we not acknowledge that that's something that is being funded right now by the U.S. government openly in the Ukraine war? Like, it takes a pretty willful ignorance to not acknowledge that that's the same group we're talking about right now. Azov's relationship with the California-based neo-Nazi group Rise Above Movement, whose members visited Kiev to participate in mixed martial arts competitions in April 2018, has been previously reported. Because remember, the point again is that the Patriot Front is one of the two leading groups tied directly to the Azov movement. But on top of that, the Rise Above movement is the focal point of the rising white supremacy problem in the United States, or it was during Charlottesville. And again, we can't miss the reality that they're directly tied to the Patriot Front. I mean, this is very easy to show, guys. It says the United States has backed the Ukraine, backed Ukraine in the war. Well, it's interesting to me, this is 2020, right? Didn't the war start February 25th, 2022? No. See, that's the problem. That's the lie. They spun that narrative for all the people that weren't paying attention. We've been telling you this has been happening. Eva Bartlett's been telling you this is happening. They've been waging war on the Donbass people for a long time, ethnically cleansing the area. They've been doing this, and it's been open, and the bad guys have been funding white supremacy around the world, and all of a sudden, it all shifts the moment Russia takes the bait. They're telling you right there. This is 2020. The United States has backed the Ukraine in the war. That war wasn't supposed to be happening until you get the point. And while a provision of the 2018 spending bill, again, we just talked about this, blocks the U.S. arms from going to Azov, many analysts believe it's impossible to enforce, considering that Azov is part of the Ukrainian government. (laughs) Facts that we don't like to say out loud today in the corporate media. The bottom line, though, is that even though it blocks the spending going directly to the Azov movement and that they can't enforce that, if you read the documentation yourself, as I've done on the show, it doesn't, it, it, it basically, it doesn't say you can't directly fund them. It just simply says you cannot arm them. And that's what they're doing. If you give arms and weapons and funding to the Ukrainian government, and you're openly supporting on the surface, the Azov movement from the White House, from the media, you know, you're arming them. They're breaking the law. The point is they never care about the law. They only care about using it as a means to an end to control your life. Going forward, it says Azov, along with his political wing, National Corps, help me remember that, <laughs> National Corps, and right sector both promote a concept known as Reconquista. We've talked about this as well. A historic reference to Christians reclaiming control over present-day Spain from the Moors in 1400s. While the Azov Battalion has been incorporated into the Ukrainian Ministry of Interior, right sector describes itself as a national liberation movement and operates outside the formal control of the Ukrainian and, and forces of police, armed forces and police. Now, what's interesting is, in my opinion, they're both tied back to the same agenda and at least funded and operationally connected to groups like the Azov movement, the CIA, and everything else. But what's interesting is it gives them a different angle, right? So you have the Azov movement that's clearly immersed with the government that plays the role of being the, you know, reimagined, reformed entity that's now part of the government. But then you've got the right sector. And again, these are openly neo-Nazi, openly fascist. On the surface, they say this. They just frame, frame it differently in the corporate media in the United States. But they're not part of that government. They're They're outside of it all. That means you have a different angle. 
That means you can use them to initiate all sorts of terrible things, especially as you barely even mention the right sector as a prominent group, which they are, in the Ukrainian military. Isn't that funny how you never hear about the right sector, even though that's the, that's the symbol you see almost everywhere? Even in particularly this symbol, that's, that's what these are right here. The right sector uses that symbol. In any case, I don't want to get confused here. Why don't they mention the right sector? I think it's because they want that kind of plausible deniability to act when things like that happen. They just blame it on Russia or blame it on somebody else. Now, it says in two, that's just my opinion, by the way. In July 2015, interview on the Azov podcast, because, of course, it's normal for these massive, sprawling, international reaching white supremacy organizations to have podcasts that just invite people on. You know, it's like there's some there's obviously coordination here backing Olenia Semenkia, which, again, was the woman that we referenced over here. Who was referenced by all of these groups, or is this one, by the FBI themselves, Olenia Semenkia, right there, who is the leader of the National Corps and the one that's initiating these international connections. It's pretty interesting. So the point is, she went on this podcast and she's, again, they say the spokesperson for the National Corps and made a direct connection between Reconquista and the concept of loss, not just of Ukrainian sovereignty, but of Europe as a whole. And the point here, as she then makes clear in a Ukrainian language podcast, or it was the, just a different language, the point was not just Ukraine. And this is what we've tried to tell people that don't want to listen. The point is their agenda envisions all of Europe. So all those Europeans out there supporting this, thinking you're fighting for the freedom of Ukraine, this same entity is next going to look at you. And they're open about that. If you just if you listen to anybody but corporate media, it says, quote, we understand the development of the modern world and we want to change it. And, and you can read yeah, it says in the actually in a Russian language version, she more sharply articulated the racial dimensions of the pod of the movement. It says we defend not only the Ukrainian nation, national identity but also the Slavic element, the European element, and in the end, the white race. That's what she said on this podcast in 2020. Are we supposed to pretend like that's not the same entity? These are the same people that they're supporting as fighting for freedom in Ukraine. Further insight into how Azov and right sector energized neo-Nazis around the world, including within the United States. It's all just fake news today. American Vanguard changes its name to American to, to Vanguard America in early 2017. Now again, it's just I don't that make, doesn't make much sense to me. It could have just been random, but that was the first change. So they changed their name to Vanguard America from America Vanguard during the August 12th, 2017 Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, which they were a part of. A man named James Fields carried out a Vanguard America shield. Think about the shields we just saw on the groups in for Patriot Front. And then rammed his car into a group of anti-racist marchers, how they frame it, murdering Heather Heyer. Now, remember that whole car ramming initiated this whole discussion about protests and cars and ramming cars and all these different things. Directly, and I mean literally directly tied back to the Azov movement, which is tied back to the CIA and your government funding and control. In the weeks uh, uh, following the public relations black eye, a Dallas native named Thomas Rousseau, who we just mentioned, seized control of the organization and rebranded it as Patriot Front. So there you have your direct connection to actually Charlottesville and the, the Unite the Right rally was Patriot Front. 
Don't miss that point. Patriot Front, right now, being arrested right now for the argument of what they're about to do, was the group that was on the ground at Charlottesville that's directly connected as the international arm of the Razov movement. They just simply changed their name. See how that works? In January 2018, in the Front and Center channel, a forum for Patriot Front members, Thomas Russo, the leader of the Patriot Front, formerly American Vanguard, outlined a vision of American society breaking down through a corrosion of trust in democratic institutions. Now it goes on to say, we first the first inkling of the Ukraine's conflict role in fueling transnational white supremacy, that's what they were saying before Russia took the bait, came to many observers through reports that showed Brenton Tarrant, you know that person, who live-streamed his massacres of 51 worshipers in two mosques in the Christchurch, New Zealand um, uh, attack in March 2019 wearing the Black Sun symbol, which is incorporated into Azaz's insignia on his jacket. Tarrant indicated his manifesto that he had visited Ukraine. Now, there's dispute on that, but the bottom line is he said that. He did have the insignia, and you can, you can see these connections to the actual Azov movement. Another one of, the, of these entities that were used to argue of white supremacy problem. And they then, at that time, made that argument. They said, look, the Azov movement, battalion at the time, they are spreading this movement and it's dangerous because at the time, the CIA tie there wasn't public knowledge, at least not prominently. So now you've got this shooting, you've got the Rise Above movement, you've got the Popular Front, or, ah, Patriot Front, you've got all these different things and they're definitely tied back to the same thing. It all ties right back to the hands of the CIA and your government. Now there's a couple really interesting points in here. There's a lot more you could read in this article, by the way. Now, this says, Zweifel Homer met Lang. Now, these are a couple intermittent points that like, are out of context for the most part, but I remind me to say something. Craig Lang, by the way, is a guy that was one of the earliest entities in all of this, who is, a re- who actually, there is parts of this article that I'll read, where he was gone after by the, by the FBI, by the U.S. government, for the, exactly what people are doing today under the argument that he carried out war crimes, but that's what they're all doing right now in this illegal war and killing POWs and everything else that's happening. The point is that this Craig Lang individual, they tried to extradite. Ukraine wouldn't let it happen, and he still lives in Ukraine right now, right this moment. All ties back to the Azov movement. But it says this individual met with Lang in Florida, and federal authorities allege they planned a trip to Venezuela. That's actually why I highlighted this. I want, I want to show a couple of overlapping points here that we keep seeing these same entities, that they were the bad guys tied to the Azov movement and rising white supremacy around the world, but weirdly enough, kept bouncing around to different U.S. agendas. Isn't that strange? So they're going, let's jump over here to Venezuela and start fighting Maduro. They want to join the rebels in an attempt to overthrow Maduro. Isn't that strange? It's almost like these are actually assets that are being moved around, as opposed to random individuals looking for war around the world. Just a thought. The U.S. government alleges that two, the, the two lured a Florida couple, Danny and Dino Lorenzo, to a church parking lot and basically robbed them and so on, one of the things they're trying to be arrested for. But going down here, it says Florida, uh, federal prosecutors in Florida issued a request for Lang's extradition. From Ukraine in late August 2019, Lang was arrested on Ukraine's border with Moldova on a U.S. international warrant, according to a report with Free uh, Radio Free Europe. Morgan said Ukraine cannot extradite Lang under its laws. I don't buy this for a second because the United States has not made any guarantee that he won't be subject to the death penalty. Right? 
because, you know, you can murder POWs in the street, but we don't want him to be put to death over in the United States. Anyway, the point is they said no. They said, no, you can't take him. Mikhail Skillet, a former neo-Nazi from Sweden who fought with Azov and now runs a global security consulting firm, let that sink in, told TCB that if the United States tries to extradite Lang, there will be repercussions in Ukraine. Well, that tells you something. So now is the Ukraine government dictating whether or not they were able to do, you know, it shows you something, doesn't it? But how about just a side note of this this entity who previously worked with these, what they then said were neo-Nazi entities in the Azov movement is now running a global security consulting firm. That makes me uncomfortable. God knows how many other things like that are happening around the world right now. Now this says Dalton Kennedy, who's somebody I'm going to point out next, graduated in 2015. Now, one of the things they do in this article is they go like line by, they go person by person and call out these people in 2020 that they can prove were doing what they are now promoting, which is that they went over to Ukraine to fight with the Ukrainian white supremacists. That's how they're framing it here in 2020, right? In fact, that's how they were framing it at the end of 2021. Then a couple of weeks later, it was suddenly that they were fighting for freedom and that we should all promote it and everybody doing it's a good person. Pretty stupid. But it's interesting as you go through this article to see that they're like the FBI investigate these people and we can, and here's how we can prove they went to Ukraine as if that in and of itself was a crime. But here we are today. It doesn't make any sense. But Dalton Kennedy graduated high school in 2015. He began active duty in the U.S. Army in August 2015, which is pretty horrific to me that these kids go right out of high school and right into war. But they left the service at the end of September. But it says the fact that Kennedy lasted less than two months in the Army means he didn't actually complete basic training. So he's technically not even in the military, right? TCB has obtained video of Kennedy with other foreign volunteers in Ukraine. And four sources speaking on anonymity have confirmed that he was in the country in 2016. So this kid, who is barely out of high school, drops out of the military and runs over to Ukraine. Now, you could argue right there that there's more happening, maybe some inter-intelligence intermittent, you know, like stepping in and going, hey, we want you to do this over in Ukraine. Do you want to work for the CIA? Which I'm sure he would jump on. Those things happen. Or he dropped out because he didn't like it and he wants to go over there. Either way, that's something they're highlighting as a bad thing here, that he's doing this as white supremacy. And as he says, America is the white man's land and it's the headline. So what's interesting is before we go forward, oh, last part on Kennedy, I think. Oh, two more, actually. It says, in an exchange with other Patriot Front members in January 2018, Kennedy, who is part of the Patriot Front, right? So here we are again with the group that's now in the United States they're pointing at as this big rising problem that ties directly back to the entity that they're pointing at as a white supremacy problem that ties directly to the Azov movement in Ukraine. How stupid and obvious is all of this? He goes on to say that he, Kennedy said, quote, I did reckon for a while that the work puts regular infantry life to shame. So let's be clear, first of all, that this Kennedy individual, as they're framing it, was openly working with white supremacy entities and then talking about that as something he believed in. Puffing, then one of the other individuals here, acknowledged that he was Alfred's buddy from North Carolina. And the chats reveal that he and Kennedy participated in a torch rally with about 25 Patriot Front members, in, this is, I believe, 2017, at the University of Texas in Austin traveling to and from the rally with other Patriot Front members from Florida. So again, this is this whole context is about the Ukrainian connection. So going right back to the beginning of the discussion today, how do we not tie this back to the Ukrainian discussion when that's exactly what this entity is from? They're admitting this, tied directly to that leadership that then, of course, ties back to the CIA. 
They just, they're not either they're very bad at their job or they just omit that like anybody partisan would. Here's what's interesting. Kennedy appears to reveal in his neo-Nazi beliefs in his posts in the front and center channel, or he expresses those feelings. He posted a photograph of himself giving the Zig Heil straight arm salute in front of a building. Weirdly enough, what you'll notice in this article is they weirdly took all the images away. Isn't that funny? They're the image directly showing that exactly. Dalton Kennedy shared a photograph of himself giving the Zig Heil salute at this area. Oh, how weird. The image is gone. <laughs> Maybe it's because of this. Maybe that's why. Here's a Newsweek article on May 23rd, 2022. Who's Dalton Kennedy? <laughs> an American killed by Russia and Ukraine. Right. So, you know, you don't want him to be seen as the bad, evil white supremacist when you're now promoting him as an American who was killed. And we should care about that. Right. There's a couple of points in here in regard to fighting along the forces reportedly been killed. And they do reference some of the things down here about uh, being investigated by the FBI and so on. But it's interesting that they have this discussion about him. And the headline is an American killed in Ukraine. <laughs> Right? It's just kind of funny, right? But you know that. You know he was killed there. You know he's been there since 2015 as a child, or rather as a, a newly adult, as an 18-year-old, coming in to say, I'm a white supremacist and I'm fighting with the white supremacist. But you can't make that connection today in regard to the very group that is the, behind the entire thing. That's called willful ignorance, or rather the omission by choice of the facts. On July 1st, 2019, FBI Special Agent James Ron Sininsk interviewed DK, who is likely Dalton Kennedy in West Virginia, according to an affidavit filed last month. So here we have an interesting example of the FBI making contact with this individual who was fighting in Ukraine all the way up until today and who just recently died. That's interesting. Could mean nothing, or it could mean exactly what you think it might mean. The FBI continuing to have its fingers in all of this stuff alongside the CIA. But DK told the special agent that he had communicated with Lang, Craig Lang, and the others, Walfold Holer guy's name, via Facebook Messenger in 2018. And that DK had declined two invitations from Lang to join in the military expedition in Venezuela. So now you've got another example of Lang and other individuals finding their way in later years into Venezuela. Why does that make sense to anybody? Why the overlap? Unless you recognize in a... a intelligence-driven or government-driven agenda to use these assets in different regime change efforts around the world. That's my opinion. I think that's pretty obvious. Kennedy also reported, reportedly told the uh, special agent that he met Lang and the other individual in, Ra in uh, uh, Raleigh in May in June 2018. Now, it says Matthew Ryan Birchfield, another individual here I'm going to make a reference to, confirmed by two sources to have been in Ukraine. That's what this article is doing. Yet today, that's apparently something you're supposed to be proud about. Back then, it was like, oh, no, we can prove they were there. What bad people. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And then I think there's a couple more points. It says, uh, Hartford, Harford makes no secret of the fact that he is currently in Ukraine. It's one of the other individuals. And his LinkedIn page identifies him as a medical volunteer with the 3rd Battalion DUKPS, the acronym for Ukrainian Volunteer Corps Right Sector. Right. He makes no secret of it. Sure as hell, it's different today. Now, it says, Hartford said the idea that he's a white supremacist is ludicrous, considering that he's descended uh, from Ukrainian Jews. Well, here's an interesting overlap. He's working with the right sector, which is an open neo-Nazi entity. This is the same kind of thing. This is what screams to me agenda, asset, because this person is with the right sector. So he knows better than anybody that they are openly neo-Nazi. You know why I know that? Because they say that. It's as simple as that. So my point is that he's there 
This is the same argument that they're, well, because I'm Jewish, that can't be possible. Well, so is this guy. So, so is Zelensky. Doesn't they change the fact they're obviously part of this agenda, openly part of this agenda. But it goes forward to say a tip in late March 2019. So now we're getting real close to where we are today led the FBI to Jarrett William Smith's Facebook page, and the agency received a report that Smith had disseminated guidance on how to build IEDs and had spoken about his desire to travel to Ukraine to fight with Azov. All, right, all this is enough for this person to be a terrorist. Except today, that would be freedom fighting, right? It's a narrative shift. In addition to staying in touch with Craig Lang by Instagram in 2019, Smith befriended Joff- Joffrey Cross, a Patriot Front member. You know, you can tie these groups right back to Craig Lang, which is like the original point of which they made this out to be some kind of a you know, war crime white supremacist entity. What, the Patriot Front is what I'm trying to make clear is intermittent throughout this entire discussion. In 2007, Cross pleaded guilty to federal charges after admitting to stealing morphine and body armor from Fort Bragg and offering them for sale to a cooperating source working for the FBI, who was posing as a white supremacist. That's pretty interesting, too. Now, if the FBI was all posted throughout this entire process, back as far as 2007, why are these people all still there? Right? Why was it that they knew these people were doing these things, but yet Dalton Kennedy was alive right up until May, where he died in Ukraine? Does that make sense to anybody? Does it take that long to investigate these things? They're over there committing crimes. They said this much, but, it t- but it, to me, that f- screams there was organization going on, coordination going on, that they were there and then made deals with these people to do something else. Or maybe they were dealing from the very beginning. But you don't sit in 2007 as a secret FBI agent posing as a white supremacist, and you follow Craig Lang and all these people, and they're all still out there. Craig Lang is literally in Ukraine right now. Does it, does, the, the simple point is that doesn't add up. There's more to that story. Finally, at the end, it says, you're having domestic citizens from the U.S. coming over here, in 2020 they're saying this, and they're bringing their crap back to your doorstep, says one of the one of the Azov movement members. He said, it's not good. These guys coming out here waving guns, it's easy. You can arrive at the airport in Kiev, and before you know it, you can be on the front line. Of course, with, you know, no weapons, and no material, no good, and they'll shoot you in the back if you try and leave. You know, we've heard all this from multiple sources, both the UK and the United States. But the point is simply that we're, this is what they're now framing as the exact opposite. In this article, they were all, you know, crazy white supremacist mental issues, and they're going over there because they like to do bad things and, and all this different stuff. And they're coming back and they're bringing their white supremacy with them because the Azov is bad. And, and then just like that, all went away. None of that's true. They're all fighting for freedom. Here are the organization listings at the bottom. I wanted to point out a couple of them. The Autumn Waffen Division, which we didn't really get into other than the points connection to this, is something we've otherwise discussed. Check out the previous articles about how that is another group they point at. But it's interesting that they only make references in regard to the real agenda back to the ones that you can clearly tie to the Azov movement. You can tie the Autumn Waffen Division as well, but it's more of a connection through these groups and so on. But it says, neo-Nazi groups founded in Florida 2015 tied to Craig Lang that promotes societal collapse through chaos and violence inspired by Charles Manson. Charles Manson, of which I have a sneaking suspicion was the Jeffrey Epstein of his time, different conversation. My point here is that more than sneaking suspicion, there's lots of facts and data that back that up, but different conversation. Of course, the point of societal collapse, chaos, violence, that seems a little self-serving to what's going on right now, doesn't it? Azov Battalion, ultra-nationalist militia that's integrated into the Ukrainian National Guard. Georgia Legion, Battalion of Foreign Fighters, integrated in Ukrainian Armed Forces. 
course, they leave off the openly white supremacist neo-Nazi element. But then it goes on to point out a couple of things. National Corps, political wing, Patriot Front, U.S. neo-Nazi group, formerly known as Vanguard America, before that, before that American Vanguard. All of that tied back to the Azov movement, which is the point. Right sector, the one they just don't mention today, ultra-nationalist militia that offer, operates outside the formal command structure of the Ukraine military and police, yet coordinates with the entire agenda. Then we've got Matthew Ryan Birchfield, which we're going to make a point about going forward, an American volunteer who visited Ukraine. Remember that name. It'll come up in a minute. Dalton Kennedy, American volunteer who visited Ukraine, active Patriot Front, and other white supremacist groups. Dalton Kennedy. This guy. Right, so just make that connection on the surface again. Dalton Kennedy, who in 2020, and still, by the way, is an active member of the Patriot Front who, by the way, right up until May, was fighting alongside the Azov movement in Ukraine. Look at that. You can't miss the connection. So again, even if you don't want to buy all the CIA stuff, which it's very easy to prove, don't you think it's strange that they're funding the very group that they claim, or is on the record, as they've said before, that is driving this thing to happen? Wouldn't that be a clear argument? To, wouldn't there be a clear argument to make that their funding, whether or not it's in, intentional, which I think it is, is directly funding this, that they then stop and say, what are we doing about this rising problem that they're funding, whether accidentally or not? Nobody's having this conversation outside of the independent media. It's obvious that they're choosing not to look at this, and that in and of itself says everything. Of course, you got Craig Lang, U.S. Army veteran who fought with the right sector, Georgia National Legion in Ukraine, now wanted for double murder in Florida, except he's still in Ukraine. They aren't doing anything about that. Thomas Russo, leader of the Patriot Front. Brendan Russell, Brandon Russell, founder of the Autumn Waffen Division. Olenia Semenkia, spokesperson for the National Corps. Brenton Tarrant, an Australian terrorist who murdered these people in Christchurch and ties directly back to all. The point is, all this stuff is connected. Everyone on this list is tied back to the Azov movement and Ukraine. Zelensky. President of Ukraine. Puppet president of Ukraine. There's plenty more in there if you really want to dive in. There's plenty of more information, but this is all the shifting narrative that changes as this all of a sudden. Now, there's also the group that we haven't talked about so far, which is interestingly left out of that conversation, even today, which is very, very telling. Here's an article again from April 2020. The nexus between far-right extremists in the United States and Ukraine. The very thing they would claim doesn't exist today. Weird how that can just suddenly no longer be there and apparently never have been there since 25th of February 2022. As it says here, prominent among white supremacist groups in the United States are Autumn Waffen Division, the base, which by the way means, which is what Al-Qaeda means when translated to English, the Patriot Front, and the Rise Above Movement. Look at that. All these groups in their online activity and their online or in their online activities seek the establishment of a racially pure white state. So the reporting of them says, by the way, for example, the base is described in the federal affidavit as a neo-Nazi group that aims to unify multiple white supremacists, supremacists around the globe and provide them with paramilitary training in preparation for a race war. Now, here's an interesting connection to make. You could make the argument that because we destroyed the narrative around the Azov movement and very clearly exposed that they weren't just being driven and controlled by some secret Russian entity, suddenly the base kind of pops up. And here we'll get into in a minute the timing of when this became a a real focal point and what it means. And that, I'll show you very clearly, they're aggressively and clumsily laying at the feet of Russia. 
And then that could then be the collector of them all. See, these they're unifying all of these groups. And then the base becomes the focal point, even though you're still dealing with the Azov movement. But they're going to say the base is tied back to us. Just, just theorizing. Certainly possible. But then it goes on to say, for example, oh, I already read that. Okay, so the point is that they're, these groups are the most prominent, all of which have direct connections to the Azov movement. How are you going to miss that? How do you pretend that's not relevant? I think there's one of a couple of things at the bottom. It says, additionally, in the conclusion, in 2018, the United States Congress banned the Azov Regiment from receiving the weapons being supplied. Uh, and that, the, here's the interesting part. It says, which now include Javelin and anti-tank missiles. You mean the exact things that Biden just verbally stated specifically, that he like highlighted himself verbally, these two things, or these one thing is what we're going to send to them? Exactly. So on their own legalized, or on their own, uh, uh, the own laws they wrote, the, the, what they wrote in the law in 2018, says they can't do that, and they included Javelin anti-tank missiles, and now Biden's administration says specifically we need to send them Javelin anti-tank missiles. It's like they want to break the law. Its members are also not allowed to take part in U.S.-led military training near Lvov, which, by the way, happens. <laughs> So you're telling me that they have documented they're not allowed to train in certain areas, but yet you're openly funding them and calling them out and, and then actively going and getting, creating propaganda to shout down people that point out what they are. So why would you not want to fund them and not let them train if they're not what we're saying they are? Well, that's sort of stupid, isn't it? Either you recognize they're a problem, that's why those are there, or you're doing that because you, are, you do that to people that fight for freedom. You don't want to arm the people that you claim are fighting for freedom. It doesn't make sense. It's illogical. It's inconsistent. Acting U.S. Homeland Security Kevin McLean told the House Homeland Security Committee in October 2019 that the United States was tracking Americans that went overseas to train far right with far right organizations like the Azov movement. How much you want to bet that's exactly what's happening today? So here's another side way to look at this: that maybe that was the entire point. All the people going over the fight with them are all being categorized as people that are part of the problem, and it simply points out exactly the rise above movement. We've had multiple efforts. Rise Above Movement, just in the last year, where we've used that international cross-border collaboration and movement to address and make arrests, take away visas, and prevent collaboration with the very entity that's tied back to the group that they're currently supporting. Can't get any more stupid than that. Now here's again the Rise Above Movement, just to quickly show you that they list again both the Azov Battalion and the Patriot Front in their affiliations. That's how silly this is. Then it says social media accounts used by the group shared photographed shared photographs of members meeting with far-right and neo-Nazi groups in Eastern Europe, such as the Ukrainian political party, National Corps, and the Azov Battalion. Just to make sure we see that, even on Wikipedia, the very group that they then point at in Charlottesville to argue that we have a problem. Now, going over to the base, which you can, you can kind of stand back and consider the possibility that this could be the effort to kind of consolidate all of their broken narratives into one entity they can then blame on Russia. And you'll see what I mean. By the way, which is nowhere, not even remotely to suggest that there's not a problem in Russia or that they don't have the same thing going on or that the government's just as bad. It's just about the facts. We're just trying to be honest about what we see in front of us. It says the, the base is a neo-Nazi white supremacist network, which is interesting, as opposed to a group, an organization, a network which is kind of speaks to the idea of collaborating. This is the name, the base in English translate is it tran, is the English translation of Al Qaeda. I mean, you you can't get more on the nose than that, because again, the whole point of what Whitney was discussing is that this is Ukraine and the new Al Qaeda. 
They're creating the very thing they did in you in, in, in Syria, the moderate rebels and the very people that they fund to be the very thing they point at to justify their actions. That's exactly what this seemed like when we first saw it. And that, and I feel like we're being shown to be correct. Here's the over, this is Ronaldo Nazaro, the leader of the base. Here's what it says in case you forgot the last time. Just in case you get ready to be to laugh out loud if you didn't see this last time. Originally from New Jersey, Nazaro ran a security company in the United States that claimed expertise in intelligence, counterterrorism, counterinsurgency, and psychological operations. You know, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security confirmed that Nazaro, you know, worked for the DHS between 2004 and 2006. No big deal. <laughs> totally worked for the Homeland Security Division of counterinsurgency and psychological operations, but nothing to see here, right? Nazaro had top secret clearance. Think about that. And was among a group that briefed special forces officers in the Middle East on military targeting and counterterrorism efforts. Like, I can't even believe that they would publicly post this. Like, they think that doesn't matter. Like, let's just say hypothetically that this isn't, this is just a totally organic movement. It's nothing to do with some kind of plan. Isn't that incredible that you would not think, like, the kind of the argument that there's no such thing as former CIA or former intelligence? I've heard many intelligence people say that. Not to make necessarily means it's absolute. But are they? Are, it's okay. This guy has top top secret clearance. Works for the Homeland Security, but now is overseas running an, an a terrorist organization. Is what, that's what they're claiming. After Nazaro posted letters online, allegedly from DHS and the Pentagon, thanking him for service, the DHS openly confirmed in February 2021 that he worked for the D Department of Homeland Security. Now, I'm not going to say just because somebody once worked for the government. It all that therefore means that they're suspect, or I shouldn't, I, I do agree with that. They should be suspect at the very least, but that they are for sure what we think they are. That's not something you should do. But with everything else we've seen, are we really going to pretend like that's not very conspicuous? That we've watched them lay this clumsy effort to create the supremacist threat that they point at to blame on anybody else, to, to couch all of the conservative movement in one thing? This is very, very obvious. This person, in my opinion, came from intelligence. And then just just suddenly changed his mind and become, well, I want to be a white supremacist terrorist and just jumps over. And guess what? Oh, where? hold on. Where was that? Oh, it's, it's in this article right here. That's weird. I thought it was in one of these. I guess I remembered wrong. The point is that after he made this decision, he decided to move to Russia. Right? He just said, you know what? I'm, oh, it's right, it's right there. I can't believe I didn't highlight that. Nazaro reportedly claimed to have completed multiple tours of, of duty in Afghanistan and Iraq, but since never put on a uniform again, or denied putting one on. But it says in 2012, Nazaro married a Russian woman in New York City. He and his wife moved to St. Petersburg, Russia, with their children in 2018. Marries a Russian woman, moves to Russia, and is carrying out, operating what they claim is the global grasping, basically what they used to be calling the Azov movement, and now they pretend never happened. Very sus, very conspicuous and suspect. Huge waving red flag. Did they just shift the narrative over to this? Certainly something we should be asking. With a intelligence apparatus entity at the helm, sort of like just exactly what was happening with the Ossoff movement. Come on. I don't know for sure you can't prove that. But that's an obvious question we should be asking with what their history is. Then you can go to Vice reporting about this back in 2020. Neo-Nazi terror group, the base linked to the war in Ukraine. Oops. It says, and of course, you can see right here, and here's that guy's name, the Azov Battalion, and there's Matthew Ryan Birchfield. Matthew Ryan Birchfield was, again, oh, I should have left it down here. Matthew Ryan Birchfield was the American volunteer who visited Ukraine 
one of the individuals they were claiming was the, you know, the lost individual that went over to fight a white supremacist war. It suddenly changes today. But that's him right there. Azab Battalion. And of course, in this, they're making it out, you know, to be the thing that we know it is. Very openly white supremacist with far right groups like the base. So now you can make a connection between the base and the earliest entities that were going over with the Azab Battalion. So is it not the same thing? At the very least, they were working alongside each other, which means they were probably given the same funding and intelligence and direction. Or how about this? Maybe the base was the intelligence. Maybe they were the CIA entity that was driving this whole thing. I mean, you should be able to ask all these questions with open documentation like this that makes it clear that they've been there since 1948. As it goes on to say, after a string of sweeping indictments and arrests in 2020, court documents have illustrated how the neo-Nazi terror group, the base, discussed derailing trains and plotting the assassination of anti-fascist activists in the United States. You know, because that's how this works, right? You got the white supremacists fighting against Antifa. No, that's the fabricated artificial illusion of the world they want you to look at. Left versus right. Division and con- divide and conquer, right? But the group also had international ambitions. Doesn't this sound like exactly the narrative from Azov movement? The base and its leader wanted to form concrete links between Ukrainian ultranationalist military units and the global neo-Nazi movement. How about this possibility? How about the base stepped in as the connecting piece between the problem they want to make in the United States and what they were growing in in Ukraine? 20-year-old Virginia native Matthew Ryan Birchfield, the one we just pointed out, who was affiliated with the base, went to Ukraine in the fall of 2019. In much the same way jihadist organizations like ISIS or Al-Qaeda which is what that name means, the base, have exploited wars in Syria and Iraq and Afghanistan to transform their extremist movements into violent global insurrections against world governments, Ukraine is serving as a training ground for the extremist right. Right there challenges everything they're saying about post-2016. Foreign travelers have already gotten involved and the nearly six-year-old conflict by joining Ukrainian military units like the Azov Battalion in the right sector. You know, open extremist right which is the opposite of what they're saying today. Both organizations have known ties to the international network of neo-Nazis and active positions on the front lines of war in eastern Ukraine. The FBI would neither confirm nor deny the investigation into Birchfield. Interesting. What does that mean? Could mean nothing, or it could mean that he's an asset. Birchfield confirmed to Vice over Instagram direct message that he traveled to Ukraine intending to fight Russian separatists on the front line of the war in the east. Right, exactly what I keep telling you. They are in this article and all the rest of them framing all these people as bad people going over to fight a white supremacist war, right? That's what the corporate media is saying pre-2022. And they're saying we're going over there to fight the Russian separatists. They're talking about the Donbass region. So if you're framing this as evil white supremacists going over to fight Russian separatists, doesn't that mean exactly what we're now saying is true? That these are bad people doing terrible things that are against the law to people in the Donbass region? Well, that's exactly what you were saying. Now, on a dime, it becomes, nope, that's fake news. That's not true. They were just fighting for freedom. Again, I do not believe that the most people in this country buy this flimsy, broken narrative. I think they're aggressively pushing the false majority so we don't see that they've lost control. Norman Spear, somebody they mentioned over here, while, no, while Spear never publicly discusses, and this is a, uh, who was it again? It wasn't the focal point, so it says the denounced leader of the base. Oh, so this the, he the leader of the base, known a pseudonym as Norman Spear, after a recent story in the Guardian exposed Spear as forty six year old New Jersey uh, native named Ronaldo Nazaro. Right, so Norman Spear was his uh, his pseudonym. 
Now it says, while Spear or Nazaro never publicly discussed his group's connections to the war in Ukraine, he he appeared on a neo-Nazi podcast in 2018. Can you guess which one? With an American believed to be connected to the Azov Battalion who encourages neo-Nazis to join the war in Ukraine. We just talked about that podcast. There's so many connections to this, it'll make your teeth hurt. In the podcast, along with other topics, Spear, Nazaro, and the host debate neo-Nazi undertaking lone wolf terrorist attacks. Lone wolf terrorist attacks. Exactly what the U.S. government is framing as the focal point of our problem. And a group that they're pointing at is the group carrying these out is directly tied back to U.S. intelligence, as well as the Azov movement they've been growing. But nothing to see here. You know, no big deal. According to his ex-girlfriend, Georgia resident Arena Love, who shared texts with Vice, Birchfield traveled to Ukraine looking for war and was a self-proclaimed neo-Nazi who advocated for white ethnostate and a key pillar to the ideology the base espouses. One of the people on the front lines who went there to fight the Russian separatists. But, you know, it was all flowers and hugs, though, right? Because that's what CNN and the corporate media want you to think today. They weren't doing bad things. They're not even white supremacists if you look past 25th of February. This is how ridiculous. Oh, that's right. I'm glad I didn't forget. So accidentally, I was scrolling down past this part. It's a new article, but I accidentally highlighted something down here from February 25th, 2022. Isn't this funny? So this this is jumping forward to the beginning of all of this, so they say. Here's what Vice had to say. U.S. extremists have picked a side in Ukraine. LOL, Putin is brilliant. Far-right personalities have declared Russia a beacon of anti-wokeness and Putin a strong ethno-nationalist. So now, right when this started, they tried to dump this in to blame Putin. It's all Putin, right? All the extremists who were just happened to be in Ukraine for other reasons. No, they were there fighting with the Azov movement and fighting exactly the war that you pretend wasn't happening. But the moment this started on the 25th, the narrative became, well, they're all siding with Russia now. They're all on the side of Russia. The extremists have picked the Russian side. Seriously? They're still on the Azov movement, which is still currently fighting against Russia. This is the dumbest argument. They lost control of this the moment this started. But what it shows you is the effort was, which they clumsily went forward with, to blame Russia for the thing they were building. I don't know how this could be any more clear. Well, check out what this says. And but here, here's, you know, Steve Bannon saying Ukraine is not even a country. Like the way it's, I don't even get into it. The partisan argument of it all. American white supremacist Robert Rundo and members of his group Rise Above Movement went to Ukraine to train alongside the Azov Battalion in 2018. The neo-Nazi accelerationist group, the base, sought to establish ties between Azov and other ultranationalist military units. There you go. Creating the entity that they want to point at and then blaming Russia for the base because, well, he's operating out of Russia. Who cares if the CIA funded the Azov Movement, which is the primary object of what we're using? In Russia, there was the task force Rush, I believe, a paramilitary unit associated with the Wagner Group, which Whitney and I have discussed, a private mercenary group that reportedly has ties to Kremlin-linked oligarch. Task force Rush, which takes pride in its neo-Nazi reputation, was known for its brutality during that conflict, according to the Daily Beast. In January, they were suspected of prepping to return to Ukraine undercover. That's really interesting. Undercover? To do what exactly? To what aim? And what were they going to pretend to be while they were there? They're there now is the point. Then there's the Russian imperial movement. Here we go. A white supremacist group designated as a a foreign terrorist organization by both the U.S. and Canada, 
which I'll read from this article next and show you why this is completely flimsy. In 2014, they sent members to fight alongside pro-Russian separatists, which arguably is correct, but not very many of them. And it stopped right after that, which is what they acknowledge. The following year, their leader, Stanley Vorobayev, participated in a conference of international far-right groups in St. Petersburg. Which, again, you, the, that, the point to say that there's white supremacists in Russia is not hard to make. But, and, and that you went to groups and discussed things. You literally just outlined for a half a decade about how that was the growing thing in Ukraine. But your point is to say, look over there. He did something in Russia. That's why the Russian period movement is the whole reason all this is happening in Ukraine. It says they went to, they did this international group thing in St. Petersburg, donated to the Nordic resistance movement during a visit to Sweden and took part in a right-wing extremist gathering in Madrid. So none of which is happening in Ukraine, but all that implies they're the leading problem in Ukraine. Or that's what the suggestion is. That's pretty flimsy. But the point was, as always, to lay the groundwork for why the Russian imperial movement, or rather just specifically Russia in general, will be connected to what's happening here. Now I'm going to reiterate what Whitney said about this in her article, which we pointed out before, Ukraine and the new Al-Qaeda. Here's what she said about the Russian imperial movement. I also have to point out how interesting it is that the Rise Above movement, RAM, is the U.S. arm of the Azov movement, which is directly, which, which is what they're trying to lay the groundwork for being driven by the Russian imperial movement, RIM, RIM and RAM. I just found it to be an interesting, interesting overlap. But here's it says, here's where it says the rise of the rise, excuse me, I always do that. The Russian imperial movement, RIM, was allegedly responsible for training a bomber whose acts resulted in no deaths in Sweden from 2016, 2017. Now, this is what they were just referencing. The bomber, Victor Mellon, was not an active Russian Imperial Movement member, but was reportedly trained by them, reportedly, and he conducted two of his three bombings with an individual completely unaffiliated with the Russian Imperial Movement. So he reportedly trained by them, was affiliated with an entirely different group. Only one of his acts even involved the Russian Imperial Movement. Mellon was, however, a member of the Nordic Resistance Movement at the time. Right. So because they can go, look, he talked to them. He went and visited them. Therefore, this is their connection. Right. That's all they need in the corporate media. We can literally prove funding arms and and communication and international connections. But nope, that's all conspiracy theory. But he's like, look, he talked to them. Therefore, they're the same thing. That's what they're that's what I was referencing. That's what they were just saying in this article for the most part. Now, a few years later, in April 2020, the Russian imperial movement became the first white supremacist group to be labeled a specially designated global terrorist entity by the United States in 2020. Like, think about how dumb that is with what they were just highlighting about the base, about the Azov movement, all of it. This huge, sprawling thing they were outlining. And there's no, there's no where's the Russian imperial movement with the same things in Ukraine or anywhere else? There's no evidence of that. And this is what they're framing here. That All they have to say with this, with all of this conversation at the very end is that they're there. But they nonetheless chose them out of all of it and specially designated them. Whether or not you even heard everything else we just discussed today, discussed today, you would still think that you could still argue that makes sense with how they frame everything with Russia. There's plenty of allies there out there doing way worse things to the United States that they don't care about. But Russia can sneeze hard and they'll call it terrorism, right? Just they, not to see, not even to suggest they don't commit terrorism. The point is that they misrepresent the smallest thing because they are aimed at Russia. They have an agenda against Russia or Iran or China or all of their adversaries. So my point is that they ridiculously labeled them when there's far, far, far more obvious groups 
that obviously tie back to them. And I would argue that's why they didn't do that. But it says, despite not being able to tie an act of terror, let me read it again. In 2020, the Russian imperial movement became the first white supremacist group to be late, specially designated as this terrorist entity, despite not being tied to an act of terror since 2017, by their own admission, and despite those previous acts resulting in no deaths at all. You could prove deaths and current acts by all these people we're pointing at right now. The act of terror cited as justification by, of course, Mr. Propaganda himself, Mr. Lie, Cheat, and Steal Pompeo, were those per- perpetrated by Merlin, Mellon, the one we just pointed at. However, the Nordic resistance movement, resistance movement, of which Mellon was an active member at the time of the bombing, did not receive that designation. How does that make sense? Even though it was significantly larger in terms of membership and reach than the Russian imperial movement. That's a choice. That's a political choice. The decision to label Russian imperial movement this way was considered unprecedented at the time. It has since been claimed that the group, Russian imperial movement, now numbers in the several thousands worldwide, though little publicly available evidence exists to support this statistic, and that statistic notably only emerges roughly a month after U.S. terror designation and originated from a U.S.-based institute. So they blindly guess in the direction of what they want you to think as much as what they tend to do. Bottom line, there's no way to prove that that's the number they have outside of U.S. entities saying so. There are also no statistics available on the number of individuals they have allegedly trained via their paramilitary arm known as the Imperial Legion. So, of course, this could be true, but they're not proving it. Meanwhile, you can prove everything else we've said 10 times over. Per the U.S. government goes on, Russian Imperial Movement's reach is global and extends to the United States. There's no evidence of that, guys. It, it, it says, she goes on to say, however, its U.S. ties are based on dubious allegations of a relationship with none other than the Autumn Waffen Division's Russian affiliate and a personal relationship with the 2017 Unite the Right rally organizer. So even right there, the extent to which they can argue the Russian imperial, move, imperial movement is in the United States is their Azov movement ties to what happened here. Literally, they're creating the things they point at and saying Russia did it. Not new, is it? However, this again is based on the allegations, not direct evidence, that this person, or I didn't say his name, the Unite the Right organizer, Matthew Heimbach. But that allegation, not direct evidence, that Heimbach received funds from Russian imperial movement has not been proven. Heimbach's group, the Traditionalist Workers' Party, has been inactive since 2018 two years before the U.S. designation for the Russian imperial movement. It is also alleged that the Russian imperial movement offered to train other Unite the Right figures through, or though the Russian imperial, move, imperial movement, can't keep saying that, and the white supremacists who supposedly received this offer simply deny the reports. Now, that doesn't mean it's not true, but again, you get to this he said, she said scenario, and I don't know why anybody would blindly trust what the government says without evidence. Furthermore, it goes on to say, there remains no evidence of any U.S. citizen ever participating in paramilitary training with the Russian imperial movement. None. You know there's evidence for everything else we've talked about today that ties back to your government training the things they're blaming on Russia. This contradicts Nathan Sale's April 2020 claim that the Russian imperial movement plays a, quote, prominent role in trying to rally like-minded Europeans and Americans into a common front against their perceived enemies. That's, in fact, what the CIA has been building in Ukraine the entire time. Despite the lack of evidence, left-leaning, nonpartisan, and right-leaning think tanks, which is important to hear, all of them continue 
have continued to use the Russian imperial movement as proof, they say, of a large interconnected transnational network of violent white supremacists. Doesn't that start to sound familiar? Isn't that seemingly what they're talking about with the base now? It's all connected, guys. It seems odd that a group that is apparently small, she says, Whitney says, and very limited in terms of its presence in the U.S. and that is responsible for no deadly terror attacks would earn the honor of becoming the first U.S. designated white supremacist, specially designated global terrorist entity. This is especially true when the acts cited as of justification for the designation were committed by a member of a different, larger group, a group that did not receive the designation at the time or in the years since. However... In the context of current events in Ukraine, the 2020 designation of the Russian imperial movement begins to make much more sense, at least from the U.S. national security perspective. According to the Stanford University Center for International Security and Cooperation, the number of fighters sent by or trained by Russian imperial movement in eastern Ukraine is unknown. Though one report states the Russian imperial movement sent, quote, groups of five to six fighters from Russia to eastern Ukraine in mid-June 2014. That is it, guys. That's what they have. That's it. Not making that up. Russian Imperial Movement's paramilitary arm, the Imperial Legion, has not been active in Ukraine since January 2016, by their own admission. However, some reports have asserted that, quote, some individuals opted to stay and continue fighting, leaving this ambiguous, open-ended thing, which they can make into whatever they wanted, should they choose to. That's not evidence. That's narrative. She goes on to say, following this first attack, Stanford's CIS, uh, CISAC claims that from 2015 to 2020, they have been, quote, building a transnational network, though, as previously noted, their success in that endeavor is based on reports of dubious authenticity and or significance, particularly in the United States. So they just simply say ever since 2016, when they stayed to keep fighting, that they've been growing this network with no evidence to back it up. Meanwhile, the base is literally doing that, working with the Azov movement and tying right back to your CIA. Maybe that's exactly what they're talking about. However, their alleged role on the side of separatists in the Donbass, the Russian imperial movement, has been used by U.S. think tanks to argue that it advances Moscow's policy goals, which they say include, quote, seeking to fuel white supremacist extremism in Europe and the United States, which again, remember, is the stated purpose of the base of the Azov movement, of the right sector, of the Georgia Legion, of all of them openly tied back to the CIA. Interesting, right? Again, my point is they ignore the data that you can prove, the evidence that point that proves these things, and they call that conspiracy theory, and then they allege things without evidence, and that's the fact. That you know, this is this is war is peace, ignorance is strength. That's where we are. It says some think tanks in the United States, like Just Security, have used Russians the Russian imperial movement to argue that Russia's government plays a major role in the transnational white supremacy due to a mutual affection between Western and white supremacists, Western white supremacists, and the Russian government, which is a ridiculous argument to make. There's no, the argument there is what they're trying to clumsily drive in in regard to this this argument they made about how, uh, where was that one? Saying, oh, uh, shoot, where was that? Wait, dang it. How far back was that? <laughs> Where they say they're, they, oh, that's right. It was way down here. This one saying they have picked a side with Ukraine. Like they're all now just jumping over to the other side. It's just, it's, it's hollow. It doesn't act anything. It's not rooted in fact or evidence for that matter. 
They claim that because Russia tolerates the Russian imperial movement's presence domestically, quote, the Kremlin facilitates the growth of right-wing extremism in Europe and the United States, which even if that was true, is a, is a complete subjective jump. Just because they tolerate it there, which by the way, the U.S. does with all sorts of groups in the United States, and you can even make an argument for why that would be a logical thing to do in certain contexts. The point is they're simply, because they tolerate them, therefore they're doing this around the world everywhere. That's the kind of subjective correlation or random guess or push that they want you to take. When we're over here proving connections and making clear connections between the evidence, it's frustrating. What they're saying is they want to do that in Europe and the United States that exacerbates threads of the stability of democratic governments, right? So there's their argument to say, well, it's not our fault. Our democracy is failing, which is not what we even have. It's because Russia is undermining our democracy with whatever you want to think it is. The boogeyman in the corner, just like with everything else with Russiagate, there's no evidence, just narrative and claims, anything you want to connect. And if you disregard it, well, you're a conspiracy theorist for not trusting the narrative. It says, however, what Just Security fails to mention is that the Russian imperial movement has vocally opposed and protested against Putin's government. Now, of course, that could be a big show. You can always acknowledge that possibility, but we need facts, don't we? And has labeled an extremist group, has been labeled an extremist group by the Russian government. Now, again, you can make a, con- a contrast point and say, well, the U.S. government called the Azov movement a terrorist group, and we know they support them. We know they arm them. So just because they do so doesn't prove that they're not working with them. That's just a fair, objective point. But the point still is that without anything, with nothing like, so here's the point in the Azov direction. They arm them and fund them. But then we can turn around and prove to you, like we just did, that they're also, you know, that they're calling them an extremist group, but then they're also arming and funding them. Both of those things we can prove. In this case, we can prove that they vocally oppose them, prove that they protested and that they called them extremists. What you can't prove is the government openly funding them. You see the difference? It's amazing how this has to be explained for people that are in the partisan paradigm. But the reality is it's subjective narrative. And just because you're told Russia bad guy, that they just blindly trust it. It says that they had even had its offices raided by the Russian police because of their opposition to Putin. The Russian imperial movement had their offices raided. Notably, Just Security's advisors, including former CIA deputy director and event 201 participant Avril Haines, as well as former deputy chief of staff to Hillary Clinton at the State Department, Jake Sullivan. They are the people that are telling you this is the bad guy to look at. The ones that just were part of the event 201 manipulation. The ones that were one of which were working with Hillary Clinton. And it says Haines and Sullivan now serve today, Haynes serves as Biden's director of national intelligence and, and, and Sullivan as Biden's national security advisor. There's so much obvious overlap here, it's ridiculous. The bottom line is, this is an agenda. And they're now trying to use all this to lay this at the feet of somebody else. And here's the point. This is January 24th, 2020. Same thing. Neo-Nazi Ronaldo Rosaro running U.S. militant group, the base from Russia. Of course, because that means it's all part of Russia's plan, right? You can read this whole thing for yourself. There's nothing but innuendo and suggestion that would blame Russia for everything. Now, going back to the thing we pointed out right in the beginning of all this, this was written in January 2022. Just to make a quick point again, as the article was before February 25th, a year after 1-6, you know, like like 9-11, which is ridiculous, Ukraine's war draws U.S. far right to fight Russia. Trains violence at home. Now, again, this was the effort of the same agenda, I think, before this was exposed. The argument being, like, just like January 6th, 
pushing this in to create the, the they, they were arguing this was a white supremacist problem, that the Azov movement was dangerous and problematic, but that you hadn't seen the CIA connection yet. So this was being driven in to blame Russia like we just explained. And you can see that when you actually go through the article, as we've read through this many times, as they openly discussed what we pointed out before, the multiple international reaching discussion, the rise above movement, right? All the different locations, Germany, Italy, United States, the movement has gone international. It's amazing that this just dropped off the map the moment that this went away. The Azov Regiment's active far-right recruiting efforts were also brought to the attention of the Biden administration by a Democratic representative in April saying, these are dangerous people. What are we doing? And they just said, no comment. Isn't that interesting? Department of Homeland Security, whose former acting secretary, Kevin McLean, discussed tracking the activities of U.S. citizens, which we already read to you, didn't respond to comment. The FBI, Justice Department, declined to comment. The point here is that this shifted dramatically when this got exposed. And now what we're hearing from them, now that it's we're, this is March 30th, 2022, after everything we just showed you, right up until 2022, where they were openly saying, these are Nazis, neo-Nazis, dangerous people. It's drawing far right the entire country because of the war, all this stuff. Then suddenly it becomes, it's neo-Nazi history is being exploited by Putin, right? A far right battalion has a key role, but that's only being exploited. It's not true. Don't listen to the garbage. That's CNN. Right now, this is what's happening. This is March 30th, but the same argument is being made right now. Don't trust your eyes. Don't trust what we literally said before February 25th. Just hear what we say now, right? Nothing is everything. Everything is nothing. Only hear what we say in this moment. Everything else means nothing. Azov wives, right? Here's the telegraph trying to make this emotional ploy for how these these freedom fighters, their wives are struggling. I, I bet these are all actors for, I mean, the idea that this is even something you would see. I shouldn't say something like that, to be honest, because that's how they paint me as a conspiracy theorist. The point here is that this is a ridiculous article. You're talking about open Nazi entities that are right, that were holding hostage people in Mariupol, holding hostage people in, Oz- in Ozovstal, and these people come out and go, they're good people fighting for freedom. And you know what they also said? They're never going to leave. They're going to die the last man. And that's not at all what happened. They all fled, <laughs> you know, because it's just it's it's a propaganda effort. The point, though, is this is what you get today from the same people that were moments ago telling you these people were dangerous and tracking every single person going over to work with them, which brings us back to the point of today. Here's Andy No pointing out both right wing and Antifa members went to this location in Idaho today in response to this pride event. Which, you know, which ask yourself why it would even make sense for these people to counter protest a pride event. Far right group Patriot Front was arrested. Violent Portland Antifa member, Alyssa Azar, who has been pending felony case, filmed this clip. Interestingly, she's filming them, no big deal. They get arrested for apparently just being there. Very interesting. Reclaim America, it says on his shirt. Yeah. Everything about this doesn't add up to me, guys. And then you get Zelensky speaking up. Zelensky rejects Putin's laughable claims of neo-Nazis. He's not even talking about Nazis. He's saying neo-Nazis in Ukraine government at all. Laughable. I cannot take this seriously, he says. Even though we just walked you through the obvious corporate media conversation about how they've immersed themselves throughout the government. But here's the puppet Zelensky saying, that's so dumb, I I can't even talk about it seriously. 
Except, you know, we'll, we'll wax intellectual about the ghost of Kiev or Snake Island or your human rights lady who just lied aggressively about Russians raping people. All fake news, but he can't take this seriously, right? You might want to speak with Reuters who just accidentally put out an image that shows a swastika on the Good Samaritan checking out the Russian vehicle that was attacked. <laughs> this, I just showed this yesterday. Not a joke, by the way. Here's a closer picture. Literally a swastika on his arm. And it's just, it's... It doesn't even matter the context, guys. It's just to show you how ridiculous their effort is when there's an obvious issue with white supremacy that has been grown by outside entities in this country. Doesn't mean that every Ukrainian is like this. Doesn't mean that even most. It means that there's an obvious problem there that is driven by outside forces. But but you but you can find a Nazi swastika on the arm of the guy helping the van on Reuters' last image. But apparently it's so laughable that it's even, even not even the government entities, but it's, it can't even take it seriously. That is how dumb this all is. And if, unless you are, put it this way, I believe most everybody can see how, how ridiculous this has gotten. But they're still questioning stuff. They don't want to be called a conspiracy theorist. There's that broad area in the middle of people that kind of just fluctuate back and forth. The majority, I would argue, that don't buy this, but still don't know where they stand. The most people, though, can see that there's something that doesn't connect here. And they just misrepresent that majority. No, that's not the silent majority of the right. They just grab that. The silent majority is a anti-partisan concept, sort of like they do with everything else, right? Being woke or awake was something that was being discussed in the middle ground, right? People that acknowledge the partisan part, the two-party paradigm was a joke. Because you were awake to it all, right? Not woke, but awake. But even woke was used kind of back then too. But then it got snatched up by the left and said, we're woke. And it's about social justice and, and trans stuff. And it's, it just grabbed it. Same thing's happening with that. The Republicans just grabbed, we're the silent majority. No, you're part of the, you're part of the loud minority is what you're part of. The silent majority is the middle ground of people that can recognize that partisanship is nonsense. Or at the very least, not important to them. And the reality is that you're being abused in that field. And everybody else, the people in that middle, need to see that they are the majority, as I've said a thousand times. Last point. As of today, Senate negotiators reach framework deal on bipartisan gun package. You know, as it gun, the interesting part about January 6th, remember that nobody was armed. How can you have an insurrection with no arms? Huh? Explain that to me. But the bottom line is, nonetheless, this is still being driven forward in a bipartisan way. And there's so many other directions this goes. Great reset and everything else. We'll talk about more COVID stuff probably tomorrow or the next day. But guys, if you can't see by now that the government is working against you at odds with what you think the, the, our country and your society should be like, then you're just not paying attention. And the whole thing with Ukraine is about taking one of those false sides, which doesn't mean they don't exist. People believe they're Republicans and conservatives, but it's the illusion of the fact the government believes in those things. They take one of those false sides and they throw it at the other side and they get those people arguing and they frame that as the entire conversation. Meanwhile, most people are back watching it all going, what has happened to this country? That's the majority saying that, guys. Turn around and recognize that you're standing with the 70%. You're standing with the people, and we're all going, look at what happened to everybody. No, look at what happened to that small minority that they're framing as the, as the majority. That's what we need to start seeing. And the reality is that all of this is going to be used. I believe strongly that this is going to be used in some way. You don't have something like this, this much effort, and this much time put into building all of this, and just drop it. It's going to be used in some way, and I think the base is going to play a clear factor. Bottom line, though, is January 6th, the points we made in the beginning, 
all of this can be tied back to exact, undeniable connections to your government. That's all you really need to know. The Azov movement's tied to them, as I said in the very beginning. Patriot Front, directly tied to Azov movement. Azov movement, completely, and, and as I said before, right up until February 25th, completely implicated by the U.S. government and the media as being the leading impetus for the international network of white supremacy. Up until 2022. Then finally, the Azov movement has direct ties to the CIA and the government. And if that's the case, and the Patriot Front is directly tied to Azov movement, round and round it goes. You are being fooled with things like this, with these PSYOP setups where you're creating situations. And I'm, again, I argue people that are there probably don't even know they're part of that. But somebody at some level knows this. This is why I think this is happening, and this is going to be pointed and used. Now, my worry is that one of these things will happen and it'll be violent, and that will be then used to push truly, finally. We need to stand up enough to where that's not possible. These little small events are either accidental stops where maybe the police just stopped them and they weren't supposed to, or it was about setting the narrative, getting this moving forward, setting the table for the next thing that happens. Help people see this. Inform people. Show them the facts. Give them the ability to do the research for themselves. If they don't want to see it, they don't want to see it. Lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink, right? That's You just got to keep doing your best. But I'll tell you right now, it's time for action. And I do not mean violence, as I always say, but it's time for action. Absolutely. I mean, this is another, another uh, saying, both of which I get from my dad. The horse to the water is a classic one, but one that most people haven't heard that I've said before in the past. One of my favorites. It's about choosing to wait for things or, or taking action in the moment. Because at the end of the day, it's about standing up right now and making sure that we don't let this pass us by. I think we have a moment where we are truly exposing what they're doing. And we need to capitalize on that. And the saying goes that you can, there's, there's two ways to get to the top of an oak tree. There's two ways to get to the top of an oak tree. You can sit on an acorn or you can start climbing, right? The idea being that you can either sit, wait for things to happen around you. Somebody else will take care of it. Aren't the government supposed to do that? Or you can stand up and start climbing and find solutions and do things and realize that the only thing that matters is what you do, what you decide right? Take control of your life and make choices and stop waiting for other people to tell you what the next step is. Telling, wait for politics to tell you what the right decision is. Waiting for some savior to change everything. Start climbing. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. The idea that there's hateful speech, it's like, yeah, okay, that's self-evident. No problem. Well, let's regulate it. Okay. Fair enough, because it's hateful. You know, maybe we'd rather that there wasn't any of it. Okay, no problem. Who defines hate? Well, we'll worry about that later. It's like, no, you won't. That's actually the problem. Here's the answer to who defines hate. Those people that you would least want to have define it. That would be the inevitable consequence of the legislation. Because sensible people won't have anything to do with that. Like people who are power mad will gravitate to that domain to make an ethical case to exercise their controlling power over the language of other people. Now, and I've had journalists say, well, what makes you think that your right to free speech trumps the right of someone to not be offended? And I think that's really the level of our political discourse.